This, and this is, of course, where they bestow the name Jingle Smells on him because he's a garbage man wearing a Santa hat. With a perfectly written out song as well. Like just instantly, the two of them together just go, it just improvise a song in unison. It's beautiful bullying. It really is. Right, because you have to imagine they had a song for every occasion. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, what if he didn't smell, but he looked a bit weird? Did they have a, ver- a variant of Jingle Bells that would right. cover whatever was going on with his looks? Yeah, Jingle Bells palsy. They used it on Eric Roberts every time he was on set. God awful movie. 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 Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema because you can't replace yourself with a puppet on an audio medium. I'm your host, No Illusions. Heath is going to be unable to join us this week, but sitting at 900 miles from my northeast is my bad friend, Eli Bosnick. Eli, how are you this fine afternoon, sir? I don't know, Noah. Is it even allowed to be all right anymore? All right, right, kids these days in their safe spaces. And also joining us tonight is the co-host of Skeptics with a K and the host of Be Reasonable and our very favorite guest masochist, Michael Marshall. Marsh, welcome back. Uh, It is so good to be here to see what the right wing can do in terms of satire these days. They're getting so good at it, we need to be scared. We need to be very scared (laughs) of how great their writing is really getting. It's a long fall from if you're not a liberal, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative, you have no brain. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, Marsh, what will we be breaking down today? Uh, We watched Jingle Smells. It's the apparently heartwarming comedy about what this movie thinks is a gross, smelly garbage collector who then proves he's got worth to the community by distributing stolen goods, (laughs) but festively. (laughs) Right, yes, but with a theme. He has a theme about it, so it's okay. Yeah, and by the way, guys, the title of the movie is Jingle Smells. The humor is all downhill from there. (laughs) Yep, that's about as good as they do. Calibrate to that. And Eli. How bad was this movie? Well, if you love the passive-aggressive limit testing of a right-wing Uber driver, but you wish he thought your ride was his tight tent at the Chuckle Hut, you (laughs) will love this movie. That's all I can describe it. And look, I try to keep experiences as universal as possible, but if you're a white man, you've had the experience where another white man is like, so, are you also a bigot? And you've got to be like, (laughs) not enough words to encourage you. It's This is that, the movie. Yeah. The movie. It really is. And of course, this is a get ahead. So I'm doing this the same fucking week as I watched Lady Ballers. I just want, I don't just, I'm throwing that out just so the audience knows what I'll go through for them. (laughs) Exactly. All right, so is there anything you guys want to nominate this one for being the best at being the worst at? Yes, I do, Noah. I'm going to go with best, worst, anti-cancel culture. Really? Because this whole film is sort of a, a load of like barely warmed up right-wing culture war tropes. And in it, they try to like hit again and again that cancel culture is such a horrible, evil thing. But the denouement of this movie is that they threaten the bad guy with a boycott <laughs> and, and he decides to back down and change his mind as a result. Is that you're doing cancel culture, yes. you fucking idiots? Yeah. Right. Well, there's, and, and the whole thing is about toys getting canceled and just, you know, in the year that they're freaking out about Mr. Potato Head and Barbie so much, I just feel like they're going in the wrong direction here. Yeah. 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 
I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a theme to John Schneider movies lately of like John Schneider wanting to talk about Confederate flags and saying the N word at a, at a Chipotle, but just making a movie about American flags and wrestler toys instead. Right. <laughs> 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 John Schneider makes movies in the same way I make tweets, right? Which is that I write it and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Let me sub in. Yeah. So I was going to go with best worst bullies. So I don't, I don't want to ruin the scene, but our character uh, Jingle Smells is going to get his name from a couple of bullies and they're my fucking favorite. Normally, I'm not a big fan of bullying, but in this instance, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, Fuck they yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. 100%. And I'm going to go with best worst PTSD war flashback. That's right, podcast listener. If you were thinking Jingle Smells made it through the entirety of its length without a long, long monologue of a soldier talking about how hard it was to lose his friends in Afghanistan, you are incorrect. <laughs> Believe it or not, you are incorrect. <laughs> And not just in the middle of a silly movie, but in the silliest scene of the movie. Perhaps. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'll tell you right now, if you want to play a little game, write down the silliest possible person he could be doing that monologue to. <laughs> it's yeah, going to be sillier than that. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, the sooner we get through this, the sooner I can never think about this movie again. So we're going to keep the break brief. And when we come back, we'll dive into all the amateurish bullshit that is jingle smells and then i said to him what is this a safe space and what did he say oh he's all like oh please sir i'm begging you to stop interrupting my son's funeral Ugh, typical liberal right hey villas sorry i'm late i was waiting for a handicapped parking spot to open up so i could park in it illegally take that liberals <laughs> totally it's hilarious uh, anyway uh, what did you want to see us Right, right. So, you know, the other day when I was in the coffee shop and the barista asked me what kind of milk I wanted, and I said, um, I only know one kind of milk, and it's the kind I've been drinking since before you were born. <laughs> Got her. Zing. <laughs> and then you know how she said, what the fuck are you talking about? Even if you only drink dairy milk, there are different kinds like skim and whole. Kids these days. Ugh, just awful. Well, I was thinking, what if we wrote a movie where we say our super funny anti-PC zingers, but nobody responds? Nobody responds? Uh-huh. Yeah, like, Craig, remember how the other day you told that cashier, Merry Christmas, if you're still allowed to say that? Uh-huh. And she said, of course you're allowed to say that. Also, you can't pay with a check here anymore, Craig. We've told you that. Ugh, I sure do. Well, what if she did it? Ugh. Like, what if we could say and do whatever we wanted at all times without even the vaguest sense that we've become, you know, so consumed by our politics and sense of persecution that we're no longer people so much as Fox News radio filtered through the failing mind of deeply ill human beings? Well... Well, that would be hilarious. Hell yeah, it would. Let's make a movie. <laughs> and then Cecil would be like, I got a guy. And then he pushes the button. Wait, yeah, I mean, that's obviously way too dark. Well, that's why we went with the other one. Hey, guys, 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 Heath, wh what are you doing here? You're not on this episode. I, I know, but I wanted to remind you guys, it's not too late to get me tickets to God Awful Movies Live in Orlando. On March 2nd, it's the perfect Christmas present, and they're available now at 
com. Oh, okay, Heath. First of all, we've told you you don't need to buy a ticket to our live shows. Wait, I don't? No, you're part of the cast. Right, right. What about Platinum Night, where we play games and buy everybody food and booze? What about that? Y yeah, man, you get to come to that, too. Uh, okay. Uh, do I get the swag bag, though? Of our merch? Uh, I mean, we could make you a yes. swag bag. Nice. Great. Yeah, we'll make you a swag bag at Platinum Night. But more importantly, this episode comes out on December 26th. Oh, or 25th for patrons. Oh, so uh, this, this is a get ahead? I mean, yes, it's December 15th, 2023. It's 2.27 p.m. There it is. Godawfulmovieslive.com. We're live right now in this moment. It's 2.28 now. Okay. December 15th still. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back for the breakdown. And we're going to open up on Sean Hannity. So we're not having fun right away in this one. Yeah. Right away. Oh, God, that was rough. I did not need to see Sean Hannity. At, at any time, I didn't need to see him. But at the start of this movie, knowing where this movie was going to go, I didn't need to see it. I thought, oh, this is such a bad sign. And it was it was an accurate sign. So fair play to them. It was a good warning. Yeah. Have you ever found yogurt that's gone bad in the back of your fridge? <laughs> that's what Sean Hannity looks like right now. <laughs> right? Like someone put Sean Hannity in the back of the fridge and they were like, oh no, it's all puff. Don't touch it. Well, Don't touch. Just put it in the different garbage bag and take it out immediately. <laughs> well, and also, and finding him at the beginning of your movie is much the same as finding that yogurt in the back of the fridge yeah so yeah so but he's on the tv he's on the news this uh chick is watching him on her computer while she guards a uh, jail at a local uh lockup and he's explaining that action star mason stone has been canceled that's like the 75th christian movie where they've named someone something stone why do they think stone is a good last name that just, they might it, have heard sometime it might as well be bricks Cement. This might be my favorite goofily manly name now. Yeah. Do you think he named himself? Do you think the actor named himself? Because the actor's like a wrestler in real life, isn't he? Mm -hmm. So I, I think he's just just used to coming up with names that sound like wrestlers and just couldn't <laughs> help himself. Because Mason Stone sounds absolutely like a wrestler. Oh, yeah. And not like a normal human being. You think this was like years of negotiation later, right? That they could they brought him down from like fire stick brandishar and he was like, okay, Mason Stone final offer. And they were like, all right. Yeah. But Mason Stone was canceled for being pro-God, pro-military, and pro-America. And Americans hate that, especially in their action stars, right? Yes. Yeah, you can get canceled in, in America for being too pro-military. So I assume this is one of those like multiverse films where it's <laughs> filmed in like a parallel universe where there's only one thing slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the point that I was going to make. Because, like, look, I don't obviously I don't want to nitpick jingle smells. Lord knows this is the top <laughs> of the iceberg of insanity. But, like, they know that no one's ever been canceled for being too supportive of guns, God, and the military, right? It's when you get on Twitter on Ambien and tweet the N-word. Like, there's, I can't think of a single cancellation they can think of where someone's been like, God bless the troops. Well, yeah. Yeah, like in America, if you're too pro-military, you just live to 100 and get a Nobel Peace Prize. That's how the being pro-military works. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Throughout my, the, my notes, I've written down, like, who are you thinking of, right? Because all the cancellations I'm aware of were blatant racism or sexual assault or something. Mm. Right. And most of them weren't canceled. So, but at any rate, so yeah, so we get that on the, on the news. Then we back out, we're at this holding cell, there's three guys. One guy's playing the ukulele. He's our main character, Nick. 
Let me help our listeners out because I was wildly confused by this scene and the context it's supposed to set up. Nick is supposed to go to jail occasionally for crimes. We don't know what those crimes are. Mm -hmm. We don't know why once he is free in this scene, it never gets referenced again. But it's supposed to set up that like Nick isn't doing so well these days and he tends to fall on the other side of the law. I had no idea that was the case for most of the movie. So I had no idea why his dad was being such a hard ass to him. But <laughs> l- let me set that up for you, podcast listeners, so you don't have to share my confusion. Right. But I, I think we do know why he's in jail this time. We find out like he was already on parole, I think, or out on bail mm-hmm. or, or something. And then he decided to go to the movie rather than be under house arrest. And so they just popped him in the local jail cell rather than taking him to prison, which obviously that's not how that would work. You'd absolutely go to prison for that kind of thing, surely. Yes. Right. Yeah. He was on parole. And I think that was supposed to be for drunk driving or something. His license has been suspended for for drunk driving. Right. Maybe that's unrelated. But yeah. The only crime the right are willing to forgive and forget. Yeah. <laughs> but also, he, he drives a garbage truck later in this film. Yes, yes he does. <laughs> As a job. I wish that like, I wish they'd arrested him for driving without a license. And he goes like <laughs> super jail. Or there'd been a scene where he has to make the other guy blow into like one of those tube car starter things. Yeah, for there, is, him, yeah. there is no way that other guy was passing. We, we're getting no. ahead of ourselves, no, but there's yeah, no yeah. way the other guy no was passing. No way anyone that. on this movie set was passing. No. <laughs> so, okay. So, but then John Schneider comes in, not hurting anybody. He is the police chief <laughs> in this town and also the main character's dad. So he's like, all right, let my son out of jail just this once. Right. Yeah. yeah. John Schneider's character is called. Dusty Gutman, yes, which sounds like a character description for a part uh, an actor played in an advert for a bowel medication. (laughs) Dusty Gutman number one is who I played that. uh, That right, or like you're in like a kids theme park, which is cowboy themed, and he's one of the wanted people on the wall. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. So Dusty Gutman lets his son out of jail, but on the condition that he. That he become a garbage man. Now, remember in Seinfeld where they're trying to think of the dumbest possible plot and it was sentenced to be a butler, right? This is, we're <laughs> super fucking close. Pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty close. But yeah, the garbage truck picks him up. That's how being a, a garbage man works. Out. They just pick you up in a garbage can and draft you into it, I guess. Also... I've never gotten to give this shout out before, but it is my favorite listener prophetization story. One of our hardcore listeners from the beginning is a garbage man. And the way he prophetizes our shows is he just plays them from his garbage truck to the people who are stuck in a garbage truck with him. So yeah, that's what I'm, what I'm saying is garbage men are the foundation of society and they deserve right. a lot more respect than they're getting in this film. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so then we get our title screen for Jingle Smells. Looks like it should be hanging on the fridge. Yeah, it is by some distance the worst movie title of any film that I've ever had to cover on this show. And like, I, I, I genuinely wrote it's something an eight-year-old boy would consider beneath them and they'd have to go back to the writer's room to punch up. But they <laughs> right. went with it. Jingle Smells. So yeah, so we get that. And that's followed by Channel 7 Action News. In case you didn't really soak in all of that premise that Sean Hannity was throwing down earlier. They're also going to report the exact same thing, right? So two times in three minutes, this movie is going to rely on a newscaster to tell us the plot. 
But we do get introduced to my favorite new character in the movie, which is Jim Brewer's self-hatred. He appears to be wearing it under his eyes now. (laughs) If I saw anybody, and I mean any human being who looks the way Jim Brewer looks in this movie, where I assume there was a hair and makeup department, I would call an ambulance, not the police, not ask if they were okay. I would dial 911 and do my best to wrestle them into the rescue position until medical (laughs) authorities could take over. At no point in this, at what, I just wanted one person to turn to Jim Brewer in this tiny part he has in this horrible movie and go, oh my God, Sorry. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Hey, Jim Brewer, what happened? Just the other the other anchor looks at him and like has a panic attack because she thinks she's sitting next to the rotten Vincent D'Onofrio from halfway through Men in Black. Uh, that's <laughs> yes. what she feels that she's presenting <laughs> right. the news with. Yes. So now, and of course, this is where they have to establish that Mason Stone got canceled over nothing, right? Because the newscaster's like, well, he was waving, you know, he got canceled because he was waving a loaded weapon around in public, shouting offensive slogans. And then we cut to him, but the loaded weapon was a bow. It's not loaded because that's not how bows work, but it was a bow. (laughs) And the offensive statement was chanting USA, USA. That's what he got canceled for. Right. And like the joke here is meant to be that he's cancelled for something actually completely normal. Right. But he's in combat fatigues. He's got a massive Christian cross, a massive American flag badge. He's got a hunting bow. This is objectively fucking weird. Right. He's chanting USA, USA. Yeah. Which is the dumbest form of patriotism. Like the entire world judges you guys for that. Nobody thinks, oh, that's really cool. And those people really love their country in a normal amount of way. Everybody (laughs) thinks that's ridiculous. Yeah. And I will point out that two countries on the planet Earth do that. The United States of America and North fucking Korea are the only ones that have a rhythmic, the name of my country, the name of my country based (laughs) chance. So, okay. So, and then the news shows us a a social media post of one of those angry libs that's canceling Mason Stone. And this is the Victoria Jackson cameo. Fuck yeah. Yes, this is Alex Jones playing Miss Piggy. Yes, that's who this is. Yeah, and she's very upset and she screams and you can tell that she was just not even trying. Her 35 second bit here is filled with cuts. There are four cuts in this. She's damned that she's going to do a clean fucking take for this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think Victoria Jackson and the goat whose name I've already forgotten, much like the rest of the world, had a moment? Like while everyone else was hustling off to crafty and they were shutting down the cameras where he was just like, we were on Saturday Night Live. Like we were on it. We were on the show. And everyone, what did we, what did we do, Victoria? We can't. Jim Belushi was a bad guy. Like it, 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 we can't be that much worse, <laughs> Victoria. So, will you squeeze my eye bags? All the tears I can no longer cry are in them, <laughs> and I'm so tired. So, and we also learned from this newscast that the CEO of Cash Bro Toys, get it, like Hasbro, but with cash in it, who's played by Eric Roberts, is also canceling Mason Stone and they're going to throw away all of the toys of him based on him and his characters. And this is Eric Roberts very much in, I'm going to pronounce about 90% of the words. That's good enough for this movie. Mold. That's the mold that he's in. Let's, (laughs) Let's just say it. Eric Roberts is... 
visibly, I can smell the alcohol on Eric Roberts' breath <laughs> in this film. It's, it's like he walked in every day and he's like, everyone who's taking a pill of any kind, give me one now. Right? All of them, no matter what. <laughs> hey, diabetic guy, give me some fucking insulin because I am in this movie for 13 minutes and I need to be white out drunk for all of them. <laughs> Far beyond blackout. Yeah. He looks a little bit like he's decided to fake having recently had a stroke in order to ensure the director doesn't try and correct his diction. <laughs> I literally Googled it. I Googled, did Eric Roberts have a stroke? Because I didn't want to make a bunch of jokes. And then I've learned like, you know, actually Eric Roberts was saving a baby yes. penguin from an ocean. <laughs> did did you end up on the AI written page that said he, that didn't say whether he had a stroke or not, but did tell us about his car accident from the 1980s yes, in did. a way like it was translated through five different languages to get there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It felt like a prank website I would make about you. I feel like Eric did. Roberts has a me in his life. <laughs> and it's his agent. <laughs> right. Also, just to point out, on his desk, he's got 15 oranges cut in half. No idea why. Doesn't reference them, doesn't do anything with them. It's just a big bowl of 15 cut in half oranges. They're in his rider. Yep. <laughs> his rider just said citrus fruit for a very different reason, but the... Uh... <laughs> well, and then... And this is such a minor thing to point out, but I have to because it comes back so many times. At the end of this newscast, they throw it to the weather as though we were curious, right? There's not a joke here or anything like that. They said they, they're they like, and now Amanda with the weather and some character gives us the weather. Um, I'm sorry, Noah. Are you talking about the greatest progression of character that has ever been captured on film? Yes, Amanda I am. with the weather. We watch her <laughs> highs. We watch her lows. There's a shocking resolution. I am so glad. This is the movie. All the right. movie is Amanda the weather girl and also some racism is in yeah. the background. Everything else is just padding out runtime on Amanda the weather girl. 100%. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So then we cut to Nick. He's picking up the trash when he finds a perfectly good Mason Stone DVD that some triggered lib threw in the trash, right? Mm, yeah. They have this great exchange here, which I love so much. He's talking to the other trash guy and he's like, oh, why would someone throw out a Mason Stone DVD? And he's like, oh, haven't you heard? They're trying to cancel him. And he says, yeah, they're trying to kill him. And I was like, those are the same thing to you people, aren't they? <laughs> what an interesting revelation of your thought you gave me just now. Yeah. And we also have to point out this co-worker, which is his like uncle Mike, but not his uncle, like his dad's friend, Mike. I think Eli, you and you and I both wrote, this guy is definitely a no small parts actor. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. He got a call from his agent and he was like, hey, buddy, I know we haven't worked in 11 years since those Dennis Leary impersonation gigs dried up, but <laughs> I've got some good news. You are, let me hear it, co-starring in a movie with the one, the only... Guy from SNL. I don't remember his name. It's been forgotten to time and lost of all things. But you're going to be up there, bud. You're so right. Choose some scenery. And I think this actor lost out on all those uh, Dennis Leary lookalike gigs to Dennis Leary, who's willing to do them now because yeah, he can't right. get any yeah. of the work for stuff. Yeah. Look, meth takes a lot of work away from you. I've always said that. <laughs> it does. So this, of course, descends into a fun garbage montage. They're out there collecting trash, doing some fun shenanigans and some wacky japes and whatnot, right? Like like hitting each other with garbage cans. That's fun. Yeah, every garbage can he opens, he sort of looks in and looks like he takes like a really big, deep sniff, which I don't <laughs> think is standard practice when you're a refuse collector. I don't, I don't. think that's in the manual. No, I don't. No. There's probably one out there. There's probably one pervert garbage man who just 
absolutely locked and loaded when it came to jobs, but I'm I'm guessing generally that's not yeah, a thing. probably not. <laughs> but good for him. Sure. So okay. So that night we we get Nick and he's in his sad Heath apartment with nothing on the walls. <laughs> mm-hmm. And his and his dad texts to invite him out for a drink. He's like, "Come out and have a shot with me." Right. Right. But like. I thought they meant booze and I thought that's an incredibly depressing text to get. Like uh, your dad saying, come out and have a drink with me, fine, but come out and have a shot was incredibly depressing. <laughs> and what's weirder is he doesn't mean booze. He means coffee, which isn't even weird. It seem, it's somehow even more weirdly depressing and I don't know why it's more depressing that he means coffee when he says a shot. So I, I don't know that that's what they were going for because the time on this is insane. <laughs> right? Because we cut immediately from him getting the text from dad saying, hey, let's let, come out and have a shot to him meeting his dad for a drink. But in the scene where he gets the text, it's very clearly nighttime. Right? You can see out his window and it's Uh-oh, night. And then he gets okay. to the restaurant and it's obviously 2 p.m. or something. So I'm not sure. And and in this scene, he's supposed to have had the job for like three days. So I think there's supposed to have been a several day time cut where maybe he was avoiding dad. So it's even more Heath-like. I get it. You, you text him, come out and have <laughs> a shot. Days to respond to a text Three message. days later, he shows up at the coffee shop and he's like, I'm here. Yeah, no, it's, it's all coming together. <laughs> Yeah, no, I had to rewind just to make sure I hadn't lost my fucking mind. But yes, we go from middle of the night asking if you want to come meet me to middle of the afternoon coming and meeting. Yeah. Right. I did not get that. Bloody hell. Okay. So this is where dad is and Nick are going to like talk a little bit about their backstory. Yeah. This is where Nick says he's peaked. He's a regular Chris Cuomo. And it just really, that line hit me so hard because Think about the people in these actors' lives and how unfucking bearable it must be to have a conversation with them. Just every fucking moment is much like Rudy Giuliani. I bet that's like Joe Biden. Like, do you? I bet the I bet people gasp for breath when they leave the room. Thank you for so, describing my Thanksgivings, man. Just, just, yeah. <laughs> I did not get the I'm a regular Chris, Chris Cornwall joke at all. Like, I know who that person is. I have no idea what that line could possibly mean. Are they saying that he's an attractive man or that he's peaked and he's now getting unattractive? Or is it not about his attractiveness? Is it his career arc? I have no idea what they're referencing. I, I think that's it, though, that he's peaked as his career arc. But yeah, it's, it's so shoehorned in there. I don't think it even needs a meaning. Right. It's not even a reference to his... Like, there are there are disgraced Democrats that that would have worked for. Right. Yeah. Who the fuck even knows? But but this is where dad is just like, hey, man, you know, I'm really proud of you because, you know, you have PTSD from the war in Afghanistan, specifically <laughs> the part where Joe Biden initiated that cowardly withdrawal. And that's the reason, really, that Afghanistan wasn't a great war. Ultimately, they will literally spend the rest of the movie. It's like they couldn't get the rights to the withdrawal from Afghanistan, like (laughs) gently hinting at the fact that the worst part of Afghanistan was when Joe Biden ran away screaming. Yes. Personally, Uh like in a little pith helmet for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) So but they establish here, though, that both of these characters fought in the Afghanistan war at 20 years separated. Right. His dad was an Afghan vet. And so was he. And I think, honestly, that wasn't intended in the script. But John Schneider was like, I'll be damned if my character isn't also. If he gets to be in a war, I get to have been in that same war. Right. Yeah, it's a Vin Diesel thing, right? How Vin Diesel can't lose a fight. John Schneider (laughs) also has to be a veteran. Yeah. But then they say that they were blessed 
by this. It's like, is it really that much of a blessing to have two generations of the same family sent to the same war? That doesn't sound like anybody involved here is blessed. That you lost? Not least the country you're at war with. Sounds like a curse from a fantasy novel. It sounds like a a stone should turn into a beetle that scurries away when someone says that. Well, and it's such a fucked up place to bring it up to because he's like, yeah, man, I I watched a bunch of my friends die in that war. We got lucky. And then John Schneider says, no, we didn't get lucky. We were blessed. Right. So the implication is clearly that God just didn't care for the 2,402 American troops that died in Afghanistan. Right. He just didn't like your friends. Yeah. Yeah. He had to keep all the atheists out of the foxholes. So you know how it is. Yeah. (laughs) But then, you know, John Schneider starts telling him he needs to go to church and marry a nice Christian girl. And then he's like, I have to not be here anymore and leaves. It's literally how the scene ends. Yeah. I have to not. I'm done with the scene now in the movie. <laughs> Eric Roberts is drinking my makeup. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then just on the way out, he like he talks to the musician who's playing. And just to point out, this musician, he'll appear several times. Throughout the course of this film, he will learn how to move his fingers into a, a chord shape, at least. He has not learned that at, at this point in the film. So he's mm-hmm. playing an entire tune, but his fingers are staying in exactly the same place on the fretboard. And the sound yeah. guy's like, well, what the fuck do you want me to do? I'm not going to play what he sounds like. <laughs> and I just, later in, the, in, the, in, the, in my notes, I was just thinking, I want to see the cut of this film where they use the actual audio from that guitar <laughs> as all the diegetic music in this film. It would just be incredible. <laughs> so, okay. And then we get John Schneider on the phone with his girlfriend or ex-wife. I, I I can't tell who this character is, but like clearly they had a relationship. It went wrong and he's winning her back like in all Christian movies. Oh, right? yes. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I literally, I forgot about this plot and every time it came up, it was like when you're going through something horrible and you wake up in the morning and you haven't remembered that you're going through it for a second and then you do. <laughs> right. That's what that romance plot was in this movie. Oh, God. Ah, fuck. Yeah. Ah, I gotta get off Facebook. Well, and her, and her personality is I hate that you love your son. Fucking yes. hate your son, dude. You shouldn't I shouldn't have son. a son. That's bad of you. Try to correct that, please. Is her, <laughs> is her entire shtick in this. Yeah. Yeah. And also, by the way, it's the middle of the night now. He goes outside and he calls her and he's like, hey, I'm sorry I missed your call. I was having coffee with my son. They were having coffee at two in the afternoon. It's now like late evening. I'm thinking maybe this this movie takes place on a tiny little dense planet Right, which just spins around a bunch of times. The gravity's the same. It's the planet Batavia instead of the city. Yeah. Well, that, that would explain why everything happens in this one small town and everything's centered in it. Yeah, right. Yeah, like it's Mercury or something. Yeah, this whole thing. <laughs> right. that's, that's the one thing they should have said at the start. This whole film takes place on Mercury. Well, no, because that's <laughs> tidally locked. It would have to be spinning very oh, that's quickly. Fair. Obviously, okay, yeah, Marsh. Fair, fair. But, <laughs> there's definitely one that Duh. spins super fast. Marsh, you just embarrassed yourself super hard. Do you want to go back and retake that line where you are? <laughs> where you don't sound like a fucking idiot on our podcast? <laughs> it's fine. Everybody knows I don't really give a fuck about space. I'm going to come out and say it. It's already... Uh, it's, no, it's Marsh, you can't, I don't give Marsh, a fuck about you can't space. tell them we don't care about space. It's their thing. <laughs> by, and by there, he means yeah, me. We just yeah. lost a lot of Patreon subscribers right there. <laughs> so yeah but so she yells at him for loving his son too much and he's like all right well i'm so and then it eventually comes out that he stood her up like they had a date and he just didn't show up for it 
Well, to be fair, the Time Wizards mashed things forward a day and a half while he was in that coffee shop. Over well, the I don't crystal. really know when night happens. It's pretty random around here. So. And he, he does say that for the sake of their relationship, he's willing to essentially act like he has no son. And that, well, I assumed actually, I assumed he meant as in like male child. Maybe he means external light source. <laughs> and that explains why the, the day is coming. the lack of the time dimension. Yeah, right, no, that makes sense. So then, okay. So we cut to Nick. He's asleep on his couch the next morning. And damn it, if he hasn't overslept, he gets a call from work and he's late. Damn it, Nick, it's four months ago. You're just a child now. <laughs> you slept until the birth of the sun. And, and this is the worst, like, accidental falling off a couch I've ever seen. Oh. And it, it's like this movie knows that there is such a thing of, of, like, physical humor as a category, but it's never seen any examples of it. And so it's having to just sort of take a stab at what that would be like and sort of missing wildly. Right, right. Because, like, they have the bit where, like, he's trying to get ready for work very quickly and they're like that's funny right so apparently they like just put this actor in this room and surprised him with it said hey man get ready for work real quick but do it funny and he's like what yeah. would that even mean and they said action yeah <laughs> so he watched that he's just like oh he, look at that he fell down another time for a minute and his apartment is like eight foot square it's quite hard to do like a racing around trying to get dressed montage in a, a room where you can't turn around without hitting <laughs> one of the walls <laughs> yeah. or the fridge yeah. I just wrote he's trying to stand up but he's in all the infomercials simultaneously <laughs> <laughs> also it, as part of getting ready he blows out a Yankee candle but we just saw him wake up so did he right. wake up and light a Yankee candle as part of his getting ready. Obviously, like, first thing you do like first that? thing in the morning. Do you not light a Yankee candle first thing in the morning, Marsh? How do you start your day? <laughs> we watched him wake up, though. That's the fucked up thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but he gets ready for work. Michael, his coworker, picks him up in the in the uh, garbage truck, and they have this ridiculous moment where they're clearly trying to merchandise something from this movie, or, or maybe this is product placement of some sort, or. Establish that his coworker sufficiently cares about toys so that it yeah. can the plot. Okay, sh sure, maybe that's it. But yeah, he's got this parrot toy in the garbage truck that's called Apostle Polly. It's this little ceramic parrot with a fucking giant cross necklace on. Yeah, it took me a long time throughout this film to hear Apostle Polly, and I thought it was a possum Polly. And I was like, why is it an opossum? <laughs> what is it about this parrot that makes it an opossum? <laughs> so, but yeah, but and of course, this also establishes that uh, Michael is very religious because he says, there's two things I'd never leave the house without. It's my cross necklace and Apostle Polly, right? This matters a lot. It does, though. That's what's such a bummer about this movie is it matters as much as anything in this movie yep. does Yeah, matter. we have nothing to say about that. That's just factual. Key to the film. Yeah, so, but... He also tells Nick, the main character, that they've got a special assignment this week. They've got to go to a warehouse and do a, I guess they're private contractor garbage men. Yeah, they're freelance bin men. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just a, a bog standard thing. This fucking rules so much, right? Because obviously in the writer's room, which I assume was just John Schneider Eric's asleep body and the guy from <laughs> SNL, right? They were like, well, how would they be taking it out? And it's like, well, no, garbage men work for the city. <laughs> like commies? No, it's, it's a socialized <laughs> service. Do you even hear yourself right now? 
Jim Brewer, whose name I just remembered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, you're right. <laughs> they probably take side gigs with their personal owned garbage truck. Yeah. And that's the thing, because like Mike says, you know, we're heading to a landfill and Nick says, why, what's going on? So, well, I'm guessing you're going to drop some rubbish. The garbage man. In the <laughs> landfill. Like, what else would be going on at a landfill? You're filling land with, <laughs> with the stuff in your, your garbage truck. Yeah. So they go to this warehouse and the guy at the warehouse, like the boss at the warehouse was also clearly surprised by the fact that he was in a comedy. He looks like the uncle that's been surprised in having to entertain eight-year-olds. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. I wrote, this is how I do humor when I can't swear. Right? Is if I can't say fuck, I'm like, well, what if I was a robot that wants to eat peanut butter? And people are like, hey, man, it's fine. You can just leave this party. I'm like, thank you so much. I'll be out in the car with Jim Brewer. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, but he robot that wants to eat peanut butters them into understanding that they have a whole warehouse full of mysterious boxes that need to be taken to the landfill on the down low. Mm. Yes, and they've they've hired like this. This company has hired them because they're the best. We've heard that you're the best. Yes, who told you that? Like, yeah. They're the best bin man. Like nobody moves refuse like they can. Like I just want to see the garbage collector ranking charts and what the various attributes you need. Oh, it's an it's an intense competition. Let me tell you. Well, it's not that intense. Nick has been doing this for three days and he's suddenly the best and the spokesperson of this operation. I also just have to point out when he says they have to keep it on the down low, the other guy goes too slow. And everyone in the movie pauses to be like, that's a stupid fucking joke, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a stupid. It's a bad joke when you do it to a child and it's horrible. It's in this movie. We're still rolling. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and this way they're also like really impressed at like how many boxes they need to move. But if you pause and count, it's about 500. Yeah. And like they said, you've got a week to move all of these boxes, but it's about 500. So like, I think that's very doable. Right. It's it seems like a job you could do in about two and a half hours. If if you weren't yeah. hauling ass, if you really needed it done faster, you could have probably done it faster. Yeah. Yeah. Unless like the the landfill they're going to is on a different planet, one that has like normal. Oh, that's oh. it. It's because they've only got five, they've only got a week, but it's a week on this planet. That's right. right. <laughs> Where the day ends at any time. You wake up tomorrow, the chronomancers are like, I'm sorry, it's three thousand years in the future. Oh, Everyone who hired you is dead, and the currency is different. <laughs> so yeah so we watch them throw away boxes for a while lucky us but eventually they get a little curious about what's in those boxes so they start reasoning it out like they're hosting blues clues yeah they were curious but not curious enough to write the script for the scene they figured they could just feel it out between them but it feels like neither of them know where the scene is going but assume that the other actor does and so they're sort of <laughs> They're just leading all, leaving all the places where the other guy can fill in the plot. And then the other guy's just like, um, your turn. Yeah, it, yeah. it just it takes forever. It's like watching two people who never took an improv class do improv at gunpoint. Yeah, it is, <laughs> yes. Right, right. But here's the fucked up thing is I'm pretty sure it was written like this. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, that is... This is a writer buying time in his own script until he comes up with an idea. But yeah, but they open up the boxes ultimately, and it turns out that the boxes are full of, you guessed it, Mason Stone toys. And these are collector's items. Now, Michael knows a lot about toy collecting, and they establish this by him going like, oh, watch this YouTube channel I like about this guy who collects toys. And 
this goes on for like the, the we watched the video. It goes on for like two minutes. There are no jokes in it. And I'm just like, are we just watching a fucking YouTube video about toy collecting? Now, I would rather do that. Don't get me wrong. But oh, God. Yeah, yeah. We watched them watch the video and the video it's, 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 it's from Pop Frog, the character which is infinitely more watchable and better produced than the rest of this movie. Like, if this just transitioned into, like, a 40-minute episode of Pop Frog, I would have been so much happier. <laughs> right? <laughs> Very relieved, yeah. I also, I have to point out, he has a Yeti Blue Pop Frog does, so this all checks out. His microphone yes. is exactly correct. It's, it's the one that I've got in front of me right now. Yes, oh, right. absolutely. <laughs> also, let's not Days of Future past this, Okay. Pop Frog, the character, the actor who plays Pop Frog is a little person. What very clearly happened is they hired a little person and mm -hmm. they're bigots and they were like, trust me, it'll be hilarious. But this actor was like, I am absolutely not going to do any M word humor for you people. Yeah. So I am just going to straight play this role. And so they gave him a catchphrase and you could tell they angrely stormed oh, onto set and they were like, right. okay, you have not done any jokes about elves you have not made a single toy you apparently can't do a flip oh, so we need you to say i jiggle like jelly and he's like okay cool i jiggle like jelly and they're like that's not we were promised it would be funny that you were here <laughs> <laughs> oh god you're right because i i genuinely was i put and then took out of my notes this is surprisingly progressive for this film that they've got a little person and they're not making reference to that at all. But you're right, they hired him thinking they could make reference. He said no, and they were like, well, we can't sack him now because that would probably violate some sort of... Right, you can't fire him for not letting you say the M-words. So yeah. You just gotta say... And you know every time... they There are so many cuts around his scenes because Eric Roberts wandered into shot and was like, look at this little guy, I'm gonna bite him. Oh God. I'm gonna bite him. Yeah, the M-word is the only word that Eric Roberts can pronounce perfectly exactly. <laughs> Yeah. This film. There's no put no on this Joker costume and put a grenade in my mouth. It's the only way I can come. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. It's in my contract. So, yeah. But so they watched the video and they realized that maybe they should steal some of this trash since it's so valuable, but ultimately decide not to. Oh my god! There's this there's this moment, and I'm sorry to drag us. I know we're we're already running behind, but there's this moment where he's like, "You could sell these for," and I'm expecting money. He's like, 50 bucks," and I'm like, "God, that's depressing! What a depressing mm. number for a lot of money this movie came up with." Right? Because I was like, "Well, that's not that much." Because like, let's assume there's 500 boxes. I think there's probably slightly fewer than that. When we open the box, there's like six figures per box, and or less. Which means that they're talking about $150,000. But they say if you sold every figure for 50 bucks, you'd be set for life. Like even twice that amount of money isn't retirement money. It's a no. lot of money, but it's not retirement money. No, you're certainly not set for life money. Yeah. Well, to be fair, on your 21st birthday in this town, the chronomancers come and they suck the rest of the life we'll have and it gives them their terrible, <laughs> terrible power, Mark. Oh, so I see. Okay. That's no, probably that what he meant is you can <laughs> yep. however right, many right. days until the chronomancers come. It all checks out, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So they decide not to steal the toys together. Then they go to lunch together. This is where out of fucking nowhere, Michael gives Nick a Santa hat with great pomp and circumstance. Like, like, like Leia bestowing the fucking awards on <laughs> Luke and Han at the end of Star Wars. It's a really weird moment. It's such a weird tonal shift. It's so, so solemn. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. 
And this is also where you find out that they want to go and see Pop Frog. Mm-hmm. And they find out Pop Frog lives right there in Pativa, New Mexico, the town they're in. It's like, right. And I assume that Cash Bro are based out the back of the police station that we've seen. And Mason, the action man, lives in the back of the garbage truck. It's just as convenient as everything we see is in like a three square meter like uh, radius of every I mean, actor in this film. Yeah. Marsh, spoiler alert. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Before it's over, yes, we will establish all of those things. Yeah. And of course, the movie needs him to have a Santa hat for later on. This is just the laziest and stupidest possible way <laughs> to introduce it. He could have found it on the ground. Or Michael could have just been wearing it because it's Santa season or whatever. And then when he sees Nick do something nice, he could be like, well, maybe you should have this instead. But no, they do it in the laziest and stupidest possible way. So he leaves work. And then he, as he's leaving, he comes across a kid whose bike chain has popped off. Right. For some reason, they've decided to shoot this scene such that they're on opposite sides of an iron gate. Yeah. No, I liked the ode to the boy in the striped pajamas that they did here in this film. <laughs> it's like the kid was in a zoo. Yeah. It was so fucking weird. But yeah, this kid, this is Silas. And he's going to explain that some kids, some bully kids, broke his bicycle chain because they hate him for being poor. Right, yeah. and they threw they threw a rock at him and broke his bicycle chain. Like fair play to those bullies. That is an incredible arm that they got. Shot. The level of accuracy is amazing. Yeah, right. What a throw. Yeah, and there's also this weird moment where Nick's like, "Oh, well, you know, I'll help you take care of that." And the kid's like, "You're gonna beat up my bullies?" And he's like, "No, I'm not gonna beat up a bunch of eight year olds, but I'll scare them maybe." <laughs> cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, he said, I can't beat up children. I wrote in my notes, I'm relieved this movie knows that. I am. I genuinely, I, I would not be surprised by an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia child fight. Yes. <laughs> but just then the bullies come back to make fun of him some more. And it's these two 10-year-old girls. They start ripping into Nick instead for smelling like garbage. Yep. <laughs> and again, I'm not normally a big bully guy, but I'm here for it. They were they were putting their all into this bullying, right? Oh god, yeah. This is like vulgarity for charity. It's like Nick yeah. had given them a hundred dollars to do. I it. was gonna say they have a big guest spot waiting for them. <laughs> <laughs> this and this is of course where they bestow the name Jingle Smells on him because he's a garbage man wearing a Santa hat. Get it? Jingle smells with a perfectly written out song as well. Like just instantly, the two of them together just go. It just improvise a song in unison. It's beautiful bullying. It's absolutely bullies at the very top of their game. It really is right because you have to imagine they had a song for every occasion, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, what if he didn't smell, but he looked a bit weird? Did they have a, ver- a variant of Jingle Bells that would right. cover whatever was going on with his looks? Yeah, Jingle Bells palsy. They used it on Eric Roberts every time he was on set. <laughs> so, okay, so it's the next day, or if it's If you have late- to cut that from the show, please send it to me. I, I don't get Marsh that often. I like to cut that from my own personal record. So, okay, so we cut to, it's like, it's the next day or it's later that day or I don't know, but but they're at the warehouse. Three years beforehand. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. We, Whatever the chromancers have been. <laughs> yeah. But Michael is napping at the warehouse where they're supposed to be throwing away the, the trash, the toys. And Nick comes up to him, wakes him up, and he's like, hey, man, I got you something for Christmas. I got you a, a present. And he's like, 
is it the toys that we're actively throwing away that we decided together not to steal? And he's like, <laughs> well, now I don't want to give it to you. Now you don't get it. <laughs> Given that it just followed the previous scene where that little boy left with Nick, I thought it was going to be like that little boy in the box that he was dropping. <laughs> yeah. And I was really worried that that was the present. <laughs> so, so yeah, but but for some reason that is just inexplicable to me, Michael is touched by this, right? He's very, very excited that his partner stole the thing that they both together decided not to steal and gave it to him. <laughs> and I will point out, not to spoil too much of the rest of the movie, later in the movie, he will seem to be surprised like he thought Nick went out and bought the thing they decided not to steal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. There is a weird moment where he's like, you know, well, I don't want to take this, though. It feels like stealing. And Nick's like, no, it's not stealing if it's thrown away, technically, if I guess, probably. That's how they caught the Golden State Killer. Yeah. <laughs> but they're right, right? Like, it's not stealing because this is like, it's not stealing because it's thrown away. It's a breach of contract because they've been yes. hired as freelance bin men for bin, big, like guns for hire with a garbage truck to take this somewhere. To keep it would be like breach of contract. But it's not stealing, is it? Because this is... This is refuse. This is upcycling. Right. But later it will be stealing and it'll still fucking 100 percent so, yes. stealing. Why the fuck even bother making this excuse now? Look, one time we were in Australia and they confused me for a smart person because I was surrounded by two. And they were like, are you allowed to save the Mona Lisa or do you have to save people in a fire? That's what happened with stealing and this movie. They were like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> is stealing. We have really baffled ourselves with this question, guys. I feel like we shouldn't trust anyone who wrote this movie to shred paper for us. They're pretty sure those documents are theirs now. <laughs> All right. Well, this movie just set up such unimpressive stakes that I thought Trump was going to put ketchup on him and throw him against the wall. So we're going to take a break, but we'll be back soon with even more Jingle Smells. All right, Eric, you, uh, you ready for your first scene of the movie? Mm. Oh yes, let's let's do let's do a movie. I'm sorry. Are you okay? Yep, yep. I just I just have a cold. Great. Yeah, that's how people with colds talk. So okay, all right. Uh, action. I I don't know, boss. What are we gonna do with all these toys? <laughs> sorry, cut. Did I throw up? No, no. Uh, but your line here is, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll dump them. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll dump them. I'll. You know what? You just you just make me noises after anyone talks. For the whole movie? Sure. Yes. I, I was in the Batman movie. We, we know you were, Eric. We know. We know. <laughs> and we're back for more of this shit. We're going to rejoin the action at Cash Bro headquarters where Eric Roberts is still very concerned about this Mason Stone controversy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say that the, the Mason story hasn't gone away. It hasn't really particularly been a thing or particularly started either. Like, it's barely been a thing in this. Even though it's meant to be the inciting incident in this whole thing, mm -hmm. it feels very sort of just in the background, barely even there. Yep. Well, and we should point out that he's he's in this boardroom. He's at the head of the table and there's two other people all sitting way far away from him because all of this movie's jokes come from Hanna-Barbera, apparently. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but come on, you'd keep that kind of distance from Eric Roberts as well. This is just well, entirely <laughs> sensible for his post-calls. <laughs> also, we meet his lawyer at this point. I never caught the lawyer's name as a character, but the lawyer is going for like a Bostonian accent, much in the way that like Marsh does if he hasn't read the sketches in advance and we surprise <laughs> mm-hmm. him. Exactly. Yeah. Or even if I have read them and have to do a Bostonian well, that's accent. True. No, yeah. that's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll also point out that I would say a full, and I think we just touched on it in the sketch you just heard in the in the commercial break. I would say a full third of Eric's lines in this scene are meh, 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 of whatever <laughs> was just said to him. Like he never addresses it or really talks about it. He just goes meh, 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 to whatever someone said, and they're like, "All right, you got me." Well, he starts complaining about cancel culture here in such a way that I wonder if like half of his appearance in this movie wasn't just him going like, I'm going to say whatever the hell I want to say. And you write a movie around it. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> or he showed up to set and smelled like rubbing alcohol. And they were just like, hey, you know what? Why don't we do it like a Christopher Guest film? huh?" And he was like, you got it. Just like <laughs> mystery date or whatever you said. And and this this conversation with him and the lawyers, it's sort of making out as if like everybody is just constantly scared of being cancelled and that they all think it's bullshit, but they play along just so they don't get on the wrong side of it because they don't want to be the people who get cancelled and everybody thinks the same way. We all know it's bullshit, but we pretend not so we're not in the firing line. Right. Because that's what they really do believe. Right. Obviously, that's what they think is really happening. Whereas in reality, this company's conversation is actually much more like, okay, tell me how much money do we make if we just ignore this and how much money do we make if we pander to the people asking us to cancel it Yep. and which of those is the more money because we do that one, the more money one. It's the larger sum, yes. Yeah. That's it, yeah. There's this part too at the end, they want to go for the like, he gets so angry, he sets his coffee cup down and it explodes because he sets it down so hard. But clearly they found out too late you can't really do that because if you really do that there's just the handle of the mug comes off right yes right yeah. obviously so we end up like most of that happens off screen and they've clearly like put together an already broken mug so it can look like it's coming apart in his hand and they've just got like coffee spilled randomly around it. it's just hilarious to imagine how that scene comes about mm-hmm. yeah yeah a lot of different takes it's also where he gets upset at the participation trophy generation. He brings that up out of nowhere. But his thing is, he's bothered that the participation trophy generation won't reward him for all the effort that he went into, like that he put into making those toys that he can't sell now. He's annoyed that he's not going to get any reward for Right, them. that he failed at, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so it's time for us to meet Pop Frog. He's the guy with the YouTube channel about toy collecting. So we get Nick. He's like waiting outside of his studio because you know how YouTube guys have big studios that they go to? <laughs> Obviously. I certain, I know I certainly do. No, yes, that's don't exactly. we have a in, big old... In your giant pink limousine because you're a big social media star. Yeah. <laughs> God, stretch limos are so fucking stupid and this movie does not know that. This oh, movie thinks are you, that's Oh, cool. anybody in the... And like, Marsh, anybody in this movie would suck your dick for 10 minutes in a stretch limo. <laughs> <laughs> they think $50 will set you up for the rest of your yeah, life. Right. <laughs> stretch limos are the peak of legacy. Look who they voted for for president. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so, but he's like, hey, man, I, I've been waiting outside your studio until you come in because I've got a really rare toy that I think you might be interested in, right? 
And, and so he's like, step into my office. He goes into the stretch limo and we have this exchange where he's got the, the silver Saturn. That's the name of the action figure that was based on the Mason Stone character. Uh, he's got the silver Saturn toy that was never released. And it again, because in keeping with what Eli was just saying about money in this movie, they, they make like this is, oh, wow, this is the rarest toy in all the world. And then he offers a thousand dollars. And the guy's like, that's a little much. That's a little yes. much. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he thinks uh, Pop Frog thinks it's fake, so he needs to check its authenticity. But the way they're describing this, I just expected him to like rub a little bit on his gums to check if like if it's not. <laughs> oh no, th this is cut with a He-Man figure. This is this is worth way way less. My God, that is pure sweet Alberanian action figure. <laughs> Yeah, but, but yeah, so he's like, well, yeah, that's probably fake. Let me take a look at it. He holds it for almost a full second before he decides that, no, it is legitimate. It's clearly <laughs> legitimate. That, like the character, the, this movie doesn't even know how one would check the packaging to see, right? They don't even know where you would look, right? Yes, right. yeah, yeah. So he's like, all right, let's go up to my office and reestablish the same scene we were already in because we don't know how to make movies. That's right, but that's because he says, uh, yeah, I want $1,000 for it. And uh, Popfrog says, hey, we don't talk money yet. It's like, why? Like, you're, you're, you're acting like you're worried the guy's a cop. <laughs> like, you've got to sort of do something to find out that he's not undercover. Dude, dude, right. not here, not here. Show me your dick. <laughs> Show me your sack. <laughs> so, yeah, so they reestablish the same fucking scene. And ultimately, Nick sells him the toy for $200 which makes the already incredibly low stakes of the film even lower. Yes. Right. But fair play to Nick. He thought it was worth $50. He managed to negotiate that up to $200. So sure, okay. He's actually come out all right. He's, he's, he highballed it with the thousand, but he's come out all right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So then, and then they shoehorn the jiggle like jelly catchphrase in there another 23 times real quick. God damn it. He, he appears to be unable to hold back the catchphrase in this scene, yes. right? Yeah. He's uh -huh. like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. And I was like, just say come. Just say come and this is my <laughs> favorite movie. And it's it's a really small thing, but like after he's so excited to get this one toy, Nick's, and you know, it's, oh, this is worth so much. Nick's like, well, what if I said I had more? And like, the answer would be, oh, then this would be worth less because it's right, right, that's that's significantly less rarity works. more are going to hit the market. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So then we cut back to, okay, it's the same coffee bar they were in before, but they're trying to pretend that it's a different restaurant and a fancy one. Mm. Yeah. But it's got the same guitar guy, the same troubadour with his yep. inability to mind playing the guitar with any level of, of accuracy at all or any level of invention at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, but now we're there with John Schneider and his girlfriend. They're out on that date. Remember the date that they were going to go on from before? I feel like, you know how we talked about how John Schneider has that get to be a veteran? I feel like he also has a like, and there's a real hot older lady, but not, not too old, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. Who can't get enough of it's it. It's like not older than me, just older than my daughter. Yeah, that's what he's going <laughs> right, for. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. That's my daughter's requirement. If it was up to me, she'd be younger. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Tweens, they're so bossy. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we listened to them talk. And again, her entire personality is thinking that he loves his son too much. So she says that a bunch. God, again. She also yells all her lines for some reason. Like she didn't know there were microphones or something. 
Yeah, she also says that uh, she just needs him to be there for me like you've been there for the city. It's like, he's not fucking Batman, lady. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, yes. he, he's not the boyfriend she deserves, but he's the boyfriend she needs right now. Right. He's kind of what yeah, he's going yeah. for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but the, what they're establishing, though, is his commitment to the serve and protect oath has been interfering with his personal life. He's too good a cop, really. Yes. If you think about it. He, he also says to her over this romantic candle at dinner, I'm setting a whole new standard of carving out time. You know, bog standard romantic talk. Like It's the, the classic stuff that you say over <laughs> dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. They start talking about Nick again. And I I just have to point out this stupid fucking line. She's like, you know, you need to let your full grown bird out of the nest to fly. And he says, and I quote, I can see my son soaring and I just hope he'll be soaring in something other than debt. Do you think soaring in debt is a phrase movie? (laughs) The debt, the national debt, more like Joe Biden. (laughs) Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, 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 yeah. Trump, twenty twenty four. But we also we establish here that Dusty Gumption or whatever the fuck his name was keeps loaning money to his son, and she needs him to stop doing that, stop coddling. Oh yes. God, yeah. Right wing boomer fantasy. I gave him an allowance in nineteen ninety two, and I have yet to receive <laughs> my breakfast. Joe Biden, Hunter Biden. Biden. <laughs> <laughs> And she really does just fly off the handle whenever he just like happens to mention his son. And it's like, you know, she's got a point because Eli, I hate how sometimes you just happen to mention offhand your son in like a casual conversation. That makes me incredibly angry. And I'm the reasonable person here. That's a reasonable <laughs> yeah, response obviously. for me too. Right. Because yeah. you love him so much. That's yeah, because you, you love me so much. It's yes. that you care about him so damn much. It's that you mention him. It's that you refer to his existence. Like have the son. That's fine. But bring him up in casual conversation. <laughs> Don't is shove a bit it down my throat. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever you get up to behind closed doors in your That's parenting world. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't judge. You know, love is love. But uh, <laughs> even when it's with your son. Ew. Yeah. But just then, as they're having that conversation, Nick comes in to pay his dad the thousand dollars he borrowed back. Now, I want to point out that this scene would be eight seconds long if it didn't grind to a halt for a how did you find me? There's an app on your phone. These fucking apps are tracking my Joe Biden. <laughs> like, I cannot describe the extent to which this movie grinds to yes. a halt while they, like, yeah. barely describe what they dislike about the technology they don't understand. But it's also incredibly weird because we find out that he's been sharing his location with his son at all times. Like, what is he, Speaker of the House? That's a fucking weird thing to do. <laughs> I got it. One second. I got to warn everyone on Facebook that the contact tap tap will come and steal their blood. <laughs> At midnight, if they don't then pop and paste, give my son my location <laughs> status. Yeah. So okay. So meanwhile, remember Silas, the kid with the broken bike chain? Yeah, me neither. No. I had to fucking <laughs> rewind. Yeah. So anyway, so we cut to him. His mom is getting him ready for school, and of course, she's poor, so she's got a bunch of bills all laid out on a table that she's taking turns looking at. The way that poor people do. But it's too many bills. Yeah, but it's like a satire (laughs) of Christian movies, right? Yeah. If we were making god-awful movies the movie and we needed to show the poor family, this is the size of the stack of bills we would do for comedic (laughs) effects. It's a laundry basket full, yes. It is. And the thing about being debt, debt isn't usually measured by 
how many bills you get, but by <laughs> right. how big the like how big the number is in those bills. It's not like measured by volume or any old by <laughs> not the size of the bills. Yeah. It's what's got, inside the count. Oh, I'm, I'm struggling under six kilograms of bills right now. I'm hoping <laughs> get it down to manage the one kilogram. <laughs> So yeah, so but Silas goes to leave for school, but there's a present from Santa on his step, which is and it's one of these toys that that Nick stole and, and wrapped up, which is a creepiest fuck thing for Nick to have done for the kid whose bike chain got broken. But the mom gets it. The mom's like, Oh, you're getting molested, huh? Well, you're getting oh, toys Jesus out of it. That's Christ. nice. That's nice. Oh, no. You can deal with that when you're older. He, this kid also says this action toy from a film he's never seen is the coolest toy he's ever seen. But like on the table, he's got a much cooler toy already. He's yep. got like a little truck kind of thing. It's so much cooler. Ridiculous. <laughs> yes. He's got all those bills he can play with. <laughs> <laughs> you just dive in, right? Like a, like a fucking ball pit. <laughs> yeah, but mom is all weepy over the generosity of the mysterious gift giver that gave it her kid what would have been like, you know, what, $7.99 retail, something like that. Well, $17.99 probably now. But at any rate, so then they're like, oh, look, there's a note. They open the note and it's signed from Jingle Smells. <sighs> it doesn't get any better, does it? The more you hear uh, it, it does not get better. It's leaning into it. They said in the writer's room. Yeah. <laughs> also, one other small thing I noticed just about the scene here on the table, there is a chessboard with a placement of pieces that I think is actually possible. Like, that is, that is, it's plausible Ooh. that those pieces could go there. But it's also a bit weird that she lives alone with her six year old son. So, is she playing chess against her six year old son? Yeah. That seems I mean, quite... it's a distance game, long distance game. She likes to lay out the, the, uh, the board. He can have so lunch when he it. stops falling for the wandering queen. Exactly. Yeah, maybe those aren't bills. Maybe they're moves that she's been posted from many distance chess Chess by mail games that she's participating in. Yeah. So, okay. So then we cut to Eric Roberts about to make sweet love to a sad blimpy sandwich. (laughs) This sandwich is... I'm honestly, I'm so glad Heath isn't here to see this sandwich because it would would traumatize him. (laughs) It is so clearly a loaf of bread from Blimpy's or Subway or something and... Fucking Eric's been picking at it between takes. So now it's just a <laughs> loaf of bread and it's floppy and sad and his hands are... They gave it to him so you can't see his hands shaking on camera. Oh it's God. just the fucking worst. Yeah. And th- the bread itself looks like a car wash sponge. It's that kind yeah. of color. It's that consistency. Oh, and they're, they're, there's, a, there's a stem of arugula sticking out of the back of it like a rat's tail. It's just this comically sad looking sandwich. But he's just like... Like, oh my God, this is the best sandwich. I'm going to fuck this sandwich so fucking hard. But just then, the lawyer guy, Bostonian lawyer, Boston, he's like, Eric Roberts, I have to show you something important. He's got a tablet with him and he shows him Pop Frog's video about somehow getting his hands on the Silver Saturn toy. Right? Right. And what they're going for is like, I'm so mad I destroyed my sandwich. But no one in the scene has the comedy chops for that. So we just watch Eric Roberts sort of look off camera and the guy's like, to break this, just fuck up the sandwich. Shake up, he's like, oh, shake got it, got Well, it. and and that's the thing. Like, you could see some humor coming out of this if the sandwich was filled with like olives and jalapeno peppers and pickles and shit that are flying everywhere as, he, yeah. as he's talking. But there's just a loaf of bread with some arugula on it. So yeah, he's just squishing a sandwich more and more and shaking it around a little. 
It's like when a cat brings in a dead animal and everyone in the family freaks out and the cat's like, oh, you guys are all psyched about this, huh? <laughs> That's what Eric <laughs> Roberts is doing to this sandwich. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's very angry that one of the toys got out and he's ruined his damn sandwich now. So we cut back to Silas. He runs off to thank Nick for giving him the toy because he, he knows he knows who Jingle Smells is, right? Obviously. He does, but Nick immediately like swears him to secrecy. It's like, man, stop teaching kids to be like coerced into having secrets with yep. strangers. This is stop having secrets with a child. This is bad. Well, yeah, let's let's acknowledge that the the moral of this story, at least from a child's perspective, is talk to strangers, right? Yeah. So yeah, he's like Silas is like, hey, you talked to Santa, didn't you, and got me a toy? And and Nick plays it all coy, right? And there's also this this moment where he's like, you know, yeah, well, you know, I talked to the big guy, you know, talking about Santa and the kid goes, you mean the president? And he, they have to have that so that he can be like, no, I hate the press Joe Biden. Fuck that guy. Right. Stay away from him. He'll murder you for your adrenochrome. Yeah, <laughs> don't go near the president because because our guy's actually a rapist. But their 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 guy touched shoulders someone. Yeah, maybe so. But then Silas is like, man, you know, I sure wish all the other impoverished kids around me got surprise gifts from Santa because, you know, most of them don't get toys either. And he's like, hey, I'll tell you what, why don't you make me a list of all your children friends along with their addresses? Yeah. And this can be our little secrets. <laughs> yeah. He wants Silas to introduce him to some other good kids. Like this yes. film was made by people who think that gay and trans people are the threat to children. They right. are the threat to children. This film. <laughs> yeah. So that night we, we get him. He's walking his bike past the Christmas tree lot. I don't know what this is doing in the movie. Uh, apart from for us to for me to find out that some like Christmas trees cost three hundred and fifty dollars. Jesus, insane. that is that is a lot. I get it. Like, look, I, and there's two people looking at it, and they can't afford the Christmas tree, and they're very sad about it. Like, look, and I get it. You know, I grew up poor. It sucks not having things. But the line for that shouldn't be a three hundred and fifty dollar Christmas tree. <laughs> Just do without it. Get a yes. get a fake one for a hundred dollars. It's fine. Yes, exactly. I'm picturing poor childhood Marsh standing outside of Eleven Madison. And thinking, I'll never be able to afford that $730 tasting menu now. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, I've fallen into poverty, Father. Yeah, yeah you, don't have to, you don't have to picture that. You can remember that. Like, yeah. You can very much remember that. I can, yeah. <laughs> so, and also, by the way, when we see the $350 Christmas tree, we also see the greedy Christmas tree salesman just counting his money in the foreground like fucking... Daddy Warbucks. Lighten his menorah. Yeah, he looks exactly like Jeremy Corbyn as well, which is a bit weird. Yeah. Like Jeremy yeah. Corbyn, the tree shop owner, is just counting <laughs> cash here. You, you know this scene was like written and filmed one day after the writer of this movie felt like he got gouged on a Christmas tree, right? He's just like, <laughs> I can't believe he paid $125 for this fucking tree. So yeah, so we cut to late that night. Nick is sneaking around with a bandana over his face like he's going to rob a stagecoach. <laughs> and, he's, and he's handing out toys. He's leaving toys on the steps of all of the, the kids in the projects. Right. But he runs out. But the thing is, he knew where he was going because he got the name, list of names and addresses. So did he just bring too few toys? Did he not do any planning for that at all? He's just like, oh, that's, that's a bunch of toys. That's probably about right. There's no point counting. Right. I, cl clearly. 
Right. Well, no, they have to have this in the movie, right? Because we have to see him go back and go like, well, I guess I can't get toys to all of the young boys and girls. And then he sees the ones he had set aside to sell to Pop Frog. And he's like, well, wait a minute. Maybe there is a way, you know, so we have to establish that he's decided to choose the the joy of the children over his own financial gain. And yeah. I, I just have to point out that I love that this movie is so stupid that no one in the writer's room thought of, well, why doesn't he just sell one of the toys, buy enough toys for all the children right. that are less valuable and continue? Because <laughs> he could go to the store and buy $200 worth of toys and keep all the rare action figures. Yep. But if anyone tried to explain that, Eric Roberts got let out of his trailer to try to tickle you. So <laughs> yeah. this is the plot of the movie. And that would also have the benefit of everybody in the street not getting the same toy from the same film that has not been released yet. Right. So right. not interesting to them at all. Well, right. And w with the character that's going to be digitally erased from the movie, apparently, is, is what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, why is it that there's exactly one kid at every single apartment on this entire road? It's so stupid. And the couple who couldn't afford the Christmas tree also get one. I, I feel they didn't need a shit action figure to make up for their lack of tree, unless they're going to like nope. put tinsel and some baubles on that and stand it in the corner <laughs> of the room. Honey, I am well aware I can get two thirds of the money we need for our Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> if you know a little person with a YouTube channel, we are in business. <laughs> so yeah but so we see that all the kids getting their toys the next day apparently all of the people leave their houses at the same time in this neighborhood <laughs> and they all find when they find us they all stand out there and open it with a whole family gathered together I wanted one family to like be late waker uppers and like oh shit did we miss all the discovering and sell oh we could have been on the news Right, because yeah, because then we cut to the fucking news anchors once again to catch us up on the plot. Fuck yeah, Jim Brewer. <laughs> the fucking the cockroaches inside Jim Brewer have really hollowed him out further. <laughs> he has they really have. He has aged a thousand years from the first shot and the last shot of this movie. <laughs> he is living some kind of Lovecraftian horror, and no one. You want to talk about who the chronomancers are after? They're after <laughs> fucking Jim Brewer, <laughs> and this movie just will not acknowledge it. Ah. Uh. So yeah, so but the lead story in Pativa, New Mexico is Mason Stone action figures given to children. We cut to a person on the street that's just like, Jingle smells saved Christmas. That's the actual fucking stupid ass line. Silas even cuts in and he's like, actually, if you think about it, Jingle smells is better than Santa because Santa is all fucking judgy. <laughs> which I love. And is this where we find out that he left them all? It says, oh, and Jingle smells even left them personalized notes. And then we see the personalized note that just says, lots of love, jingle smells, which isn't a person. That's the opposite of a personalized note. <laughs> but it's just a note. Nope, that's it. <laughs> There's nothing personalized Does about it. Yep, nope, doesn't need that modifier whatsoever. Dear Sally, lots of love. Yeah, to, to the guy who looks a bit like Rudy Giuliani, here's an action figure. <laughs> it would have been a personalized note. So yeah, so they tell us all about this and then they kick it over to Amanda with the weather again because apparently this actress was the top donor on Kickstarter. Fuck yeah, she was. And she's she's in her groove now. Like I said, we are following her story and she's getting a little comfortable in front of the camera, Amanda. Fuck yeah, she is. She's a little better. A little better this time. No, that's fair. So, okay. So then we cut to Nick taking his dad to eat in that very same restaurant. I think they're trying to pretend it's yet a third place, but no, it's the same restaurant. But they placed the camera in a totally different direction, <laughs> so, Noah. Yeah, right. 
And now they have him like a super fancy breakfast. His dad's got a croissant, but it's like it's laid out like they're about to have like uh, a, an elite dining experience. Right. Like he's going to eat it with a knife and fork. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, you know, John Schneider refused to eat that because it's French and he's still mad about the French fries Iraq war thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so Nick's taking his dad to, to breakfast so that, you know, we can we can show that he's like you know, doing good stuff with all of this newfound money he's made by selling one toy for $200, as near as we can tell. Or other toys. It's very unclear how many toys have been sold and how many have been given away. It's all... Yeah. And how many he has. Absolutely baffling. It's baffling because in the in the scene, the previous scene in the restaurant, when he gives them the first... He said, here's the first installment of that money I owe you. And he goes like, bam, there's the first installment. Bam is a great way of delivering any repayment of a loan. Oh, sure, any time. sure, for sure. Mm. But he says the first installment. And then later we find out it was $1,000. So his first installment on a $1,000 loan was $1,000. Was his dad charging him like insane... Yeah, interest? right. His dad's like, a no. loan shark. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> When John Schneider loans you money, the juice is running, okay? You know that. If you've been in Hollywood a while, you know. There's one moment, I know this scene's not very important, but there is one moment I want to talk about, which is they're talking about the girlfriend, and he says, man, she sure is a great person. And John Schneider says, you know I have a gun, right? That was a don't fuck my girlfriend joke, right? I no. don't think it, no, it was, wasn't. but I, I don't remember what it was. But it was, <laughs> She was like, oh, she, he said, oh, she sure does a lot of charity work other than you, Dad, in the sense of like, you're one of her charity projects. Oh, and he pauses right. for too long and threatens to shoot his, shoot his son. Yes. Okay, yes. I thought it was like, a, I don't like it when you say positive things about a woman <laughs> that I am claimed. No, no, it's just that his dad meets gentle teasing with a threat of force because yeah. those cop instincts never leave you. They right. never run away. Exactly. exactly. So yeah, but, but we also established that she volunteers at a place with a bunch of underprivileged children who aren't going to have any presents for Christmas. <gasps> yeah. So, but just then, Nick gets an angry call from Pop Frog, all upset because his investment has been devalued by a bunch of, in his words, grubby kids getting their hands on those toys. And he's, he's surprised that his dad is listening in because his dad thinks this is a, a drug dealing conversation from the side that he hears. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, oh, were you listening in? It's like, why are you surprised that your I'm dad was listening here. to this conversation? You're sitting right next to him and he tracks your location at all times <laughs> as we've already established. <laughs> right. Your privacy is not important to him. I would need to do things to my body and ears to not hear. How, what do you <laughs> mean, are you listening? <laughs> right. Yes, I'm here and I can still hear noises. Yeah. So yeah, And the, the end of the conversation that he hears is... You know, oh, hey, I can't talk right now. All right, I can get you some more, but this is the last time. And then he just hangs up the phone without saying goodbye. So like, yeah, of course his dad's going to be like, what kind of drug deal shit was that? Yeah. <laughs> and then to try and get out of that conversation, he tries to do the fake phone call thing of like, oh, my phone's buzzing. It's work, which his dad calls him on it. Because again, cop instincts. He can see through the fact that you're a bin man. You're off duty. You don't get work calls. It's not like, oh, we've got a, a sudden rush of garbage coming in. We need <laughs> all hands to garbage the pump. down by the highway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but he runs off. So then he's at work with Michael. They're all high on life and Christmas spirit and everything. They arrive at the uh, warehouse to pick up more action figures. For some reason, this is a different warehouse than the one they used earlier. I had no fucking idea what happened there. <laughs> I know what happened. Eric Roberts got to talk into someone there. And they were like, oh, hey, um, Eric Roberts asked who in our staff is an octoroon. So you guys are going to need to leave. You can't use this space anymore. 
All right, yeah, no, probably something like that. Tell him to answer the question then. Just <laughs> tell him to answer the question. Eric, you're not helping. <laughs> so yeah, so they show up at the warehouse. They're gonna they're gonna pick up more trash, but the warehouse has been locked down. They're not allowed back in because Cash Bros found out that a bunch of their toys are slipping out the back. Oh. Yeah, and I think that they even say, and they suspect the leak is coming from here. So, oh, it's it's coming from the place where the entirety of the stock is. Yeah, that could, right. it could be that. It could yeah, be no, that. I think it might be there. From. I think we figured it out. Yeah, exactly. Well, of course, they think they're dumping them in a landfill. I feel like you'd check there first, but okay. Yeah, either or, <laughs> right? But yeah, the operation's been shut down and the guy, the silly guy that runs the warehouse, he says, and the only way in here is with a four-digit code that nobody knows but me and Charlie Daniels. So, you know, I'm only going to give you one clue about what the code is, and that's it. If you need two moyants, you have to pay 10 gold, and you only get half experience <laughs> on when you clear it, just so you know. Yeah, I, I don't know who Charlie Daniels is, so this is just I I incredibly baffling to me as to why He's, that name um, comes up here. Uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia? That's, that's oh, Charlie Daniels. okay. That's, right, There's a category of music in this country called Old Man Waiting to Die, where we just let them <laughs> continue to make music for our elderly so that hopefully they can all die simultaneously. Like they all blow out a birthday candle and then the theater's just still. Is the <laughs> all right. Well, I was going to say that I like Charlie Daniels, but I don't think that changes Eli's joke in any way. So it's probably. No, it's, it, <laughs> if anything, mention. it boosts it. That's a, that's a yes really, to my premise. If anything, yeah. Present circumstances. All right. Well, I don't know if this is rock bottom for the characters, but it's pretty fucking close to rock bottom for us. So we're going to take another break there. But first, let me give Act 3 the hard sell. Will Nick dash through the snow? Will he make spirits bright? Will we laugh all the way? No, no, and no. But stick around anyway for the perfunctory conclusion of Jingle Smells. New from the producers of Jingle Smells and Cash Bro comes a brand new line of action figures for the culture warrior kid unafraid of the radical left, the canceled kickers. Awesome. So cool. First up, it's kicking Karen. I've got an HOA agreement and I'm not afraid to use it. And racial slurs. Next up, kicking Kyle. My Starbucks order is wrong, so I'm going to reveal myself to be truly monstrous. Radical. Literally. Canceled kickers, because your parents desperately want to keep you from turning against them, even if it's for just another year or two. I also use racial slurs. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back for still more of this shit. We're going to rejoin the action with Michael dropping Nick off at home. This is where we get the movie's weirdest cameo. Apostle Polly is on television. Yes. The character that we saw earlier. Eli, would you care to tell everybody who voiced Apostle Polly? Why, it would be former governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee. Mike <laughs> fucking Huckabee. Jesus. It's like he didn't want Ted Cruz to get the most superfluous gam cameo by a Republican politician in 2023 title or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, so that's on TV. Meanwhile, Nick is going out to steal some more toys. And this is so fucking stupid. He's putting his bandana over his face on his way out of the house. 
That's not how disguising yourself works. You don't like if you're going to rob a fucking bank, you don't leave the house in your bank robber mask. (laughs) You don't just ride the bus with pantyhose over your face. Jesus fucking Christ. This is dumb. Anyway, so he gets to the warehouse. He tries to correct me if I'm wrong, guys. He tries to fuck the door open to the warehouse. He does try to fuck the door open for a second. Yeah, that doesn't work. Surprisingly, yeah. Yeah. He, he tries it for a solid minute. It's long enough to finish. Yeah, I was going to say the, the first 30 seconds is to try and get the door open. The, 30, the, <laughs> the second 30 seconds is just for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but then he Googles Charlie Daniels' birthday, and that's the code, I guess. Yeah. He gets it in one. You know, a lot of movies, different movies, would set up some tension there, but no, he gets it the very first try. Just no in case, Grandma. You know, as a weak heart, she gets can't. the palpitations. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she can't handle that kind of suspense. So, yeah, so he, I guess, goes in there and steals a bunch of toys. That happens off camera. We next cut to him sneaking up to that place that Lisa volunteers with all the poor kids so he can drop off his bounty of stolen Mason Stone action figures. Right. But she catches him. And she's like, why are you wearing a mask? And he's like, fresh air. And she's like, oh, fresh air with a mask. Get it? Masks are hard to breathe in is the <sighs> is the joke that they set up this entire sequence for. Yes. yes. Although in fairness to Lisa, right, she did very well to recognize him in a mask because he's he's got a mask, he's got big shades and a massive hat on. Mm-hmm. Like she recognized him from his cheeks and the bridge of his nose alone. That's an impressive, in the dark. She's like, she's she's some sort of savant for this. It's amazing. Well, she, she saw him from behind first, so maybe she just recognized dad ass, but yeah. Yeah, it runs in the family, sure. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those two things, yeah. But so, but she's like, you know, you better not be getting into trouble. He's like, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't just commit theft if that's what you're asking literal breaking and entering that's literally yep. what he just did and now yep. he's the hero of this film yeah so but so she goes to walk in she sees that there's this big pile of donations you know waiting outside and she turns around to see if he'd done it but he's batman away in in the in the interim i guess anyway so then we cut to the news to to catch us up on the plot again it's not at all lazy writing Right. Jim Brewer is literally rotting off of his skeleton at this point. (laughs) Like if one of his eyeballs rolled out of his skull across the table, it would be less horrific than his physical condition at this point in the film. (laughs) So and and then in this, I guess in this news segment, the other anchor, the non-Jim Brewer anchor has caught up with Mason Stone to ask what he thinks about Jingle Smith. Please, Noah, the damned, the damned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we finally get to hear from Mason Stone, who arrives late after this massive buildup, like he's fucking Orson Welles in The Third Man, <laughs> rather than just a yelling wrestler, which is all he actually is here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but he's all for Jingle Smells. For a minute, the movie's like, hey, what if this movie was a love story between Mason Stone and News Anchor 2? And it's like, never mind. No, no, that's stupid. (laughs) As soon as I said it, I heard it. I heard it. And then Victoria Jackson comes out and does her angry liberal bit again. Yep. Yeah. And she doesn't have jokes, so she just screams the whole time. God, it's just, it's so rough. It's so rough because, like, there's a funny person in there so you know she kn- recognized at some point in her life funny. Right. Yeah, and it's just been beaten out of her by her Republicanism. Yeah. Right. 
or you just or like now she has to work within the framework of like but you can't do anything we don't like so she's just like ah! <laughs> right is it also weird that they make her super Christian, the liberal character? Why does who's she meant have the be- giant crucifix? I was two, very confused. Two crosses. Yeah, she's got two. She's got a little one and a big one. Yeah. 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 So she runs into the news studio to scream about how canceled Mason Stone is. They drag her away. And then we cut to fucking Amanda with the weather again. Yes. <laughs> Amanda. Oh, she's in conflict now because she made a mistake on the weather. Ooh, maybe Amanda's weather journey isn't going so well as we, the audience, that she is the protagonist of thoughts. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody. We and I, I just I cannot emphasize enough how nothing happens in these weather segments. They just keep going to her over and over again. And she's like, Yep, it's gonna snow on Christmas. God, you're missing so much, Noah. You're missing so, I, I like I feel bad for how much you're missing in this beautiful so- moment. It's it's my left foot, right? Like maybe he's just in the chair, but it's all in her eyes. It's all in her eyes. So meanwhile, Nick is letting Michael do all the trash picking up work while he watches Hannity on his phone. Now, so what clearly happened with Sean Hannity is like they got Hannity late, right? They already had the movie made to some degree when he came in, in as an EP. And then yeah. he's like, and now I can do cameos. And they're like, you bet you can. And they had to find places to put him. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that just that just then makes their whole thing look completely ridiculous because this is a complete non-story, but Hannity has covered it twice now, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, this is exactly what Hannity and Fox would cover because even this movie, this is a completely meaningless non-story that we've only seen right-wing news outlets covering. We haven't seen any liberal outrage. We've only seen the right-wing news outlets covering it and building it up. Like, this is your movie and you're showing that you're the ones who make all the noise about this thing. You've never once actually seen, other than like one clip, other people actually protesting about it. Right. No, interesting, yeah. So, yeah, so just then, Silas runs up. He's got, he wants to talk to Nick. He's got a Santa emergency. Every time this child reappears in the movie, I'm like, fuck, I forgot. This movie is like having a concussion, right? Like the first time you get a concussion and you're like, what's wrong with me? And someone has to be like, this is what a concussion feels like. That's what watching this movie feels like. (laughs) The concussion of comedy. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, no, actually thinking about this, I feel like you guys making me watch Lady Ballers and then this in the same weekend is kind of in violation of the NFL's concussion policy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Two and three days. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. But Silas is there to tell him that all the poor sick kids in the hospital aren't going to get to have Christmas this year because there's a great big storm coming. The one Amanda warned us about. And Santa, the guy who normally does Santa, isn't going to be able to make it. So uh, Silas needs Nick to talk to Santa and make sure it it goes off without a hitch. Right now, let me be clear, just to jump forward slightly. He will not show up and be Santa for these children. No, he's just going to present them with more stolen toys. So even the setup of complete nonsense and convenience for this movie to continue does not pan out the way the movie asked it to. No. No, exactly. So, and of course, during this conversation, Michael overhears a bit and realizes that Nick has been jingle smells all along, which 
which of fucking course he has because he knows. It's insanely obvious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he gave like the first person he jingle smelled a toy to was Michael. <laughs> right. But that doesn't stop the guy who plays Michael from delivering a completely out of place Oscar worthy performance in this scene. It is fucking <laughs> baffling. You hurt me. You hurt me deep, man. It's baffling. The, the seriousness and the hurt that is displayed in this scene is second only to the PTSD monologue we're about to be treated to later. Yes. But what did Michael think was happening? Because as far as we're aware as well, they've never been to the landfill like at any right. point. So they, they loaded <laughs> the toys up into the van and then the van, then the toys vanished. And he's like, well, I guess that's how this works. The, the garbage <laughs> truck is just a, <laughs> a portal that you throw things into and they zoop to another dimension. Nom, nom, nom. And then all the garbage is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but Michael gives him a stern talking to about how he needs to take pride in being a garbage man. And he's like, you know what? You need my lucky parrot more than I do. So he tries to hand him Apostle Polly. And Nick lashes out and, and Apostle Polly is broken in the melee. <laughs> of all the things I thought this movie would expect me to have stakes in, I got to admit, <laughs> the, the, the parrot action figure voiced by Mike Huckabee was not the one I would have put my money on. <laughs> So yeah, so Nick, of course, it's this late in the movie, Nick runs into a church to ask God what he should do. That's right, motherfuckers. This is a Christian movie. Damn straight yeah. it is. And so I wrote, okay, we're at church. Where's all this tail he was promised? This is probably wall <laughs> to wall with attractive <laughs> women. Yeah. He's promised yeah. this. Dad said. Yeah. Oh, it's coming, Marsh. It's coming. But instead, they have uh, stained glass window Jesus, who looks like he's paint by numbers. It's the <laughs> lowest quality stained glass window I've ever seen. It's weird to say these are some sad ass stained glass windows, but these are some sad ass <laughs> stained glass windows. Yeah. So he he goes in and he starts to pray out loud in an echoey room because it's a Christian movie, and he's forgotten how to pray, right? And he's like, "Oh, I forgot how to do this." Just then, a voice comes from behind him. It's the guitar guy that was miming guitar playing in the background this whole time. He's also in church. Huh? You didn't think he would be into the movie, did you? <laughs> Jesus. And and Noah, by this point, had you realized that the guitar guy has a very small white beard, like a very very small but definitely white beard, because that will suddenly become apparently incredibly important. Well, so we we see that the church is empty. When Nick walks in, Nick walks in, he sits down, he starts talking, and this guy just appears behind him. I wrote in my notes, is he a ghost? Is he an angel? Is he dot, 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 <gasps> Santa Claus? <laughs> mm -hmm. So also, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. He's got to be like a singer or something or whatever, because like he cannot deliver lines without gyrating. He looks so weirdly uncomfortable to be there. Right. Right. Well, to be fair, maybe he's aware that Nick is about to start monologuing about the friends he lost in Afghanistan <laughs> in a scene which, as Marsh just teased, will end with, I'm Santa. Yes. Like, imagine being the actor sitting in that bench and being like, okay, so the place you need to get to emotionally is I'm Santa, but the place you need to be at now is you're listening to an Afghanistan war veteran talk about the light <laughs> fading from his friend's eye. <laughs> Just, it oh, is oh, so that's a bummer. <laughs> yes. 
Maybe you should have gone to community college. You know what? Not the time. Not the time. That was on Santa. <laughs> That's on me. Yeah, but he's, he gives this weird, just incredibly out of nowhere monologue about the horrors of war. And then the other guy's just like, any, anyway, uh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Literally? Children appear and they're like, we're elves or something, man. I don't <laughs> yes, fucking it's know. It's the weirdest fucking thing. Yeah. So the children appear. The first ones are simultaneously speaking twins. Oh, yeah. Then is there the second elf who's really going to lay it out for us? Because John Schneider was like, too subtle. People won't get yeah, it. Yeah, right, right. Uh -huh. Is the second little boy wearing a yarmulke or had I entered a fugue state at this no, point? No, I... I, I thought that and I didn't write it because I thought I'd imagine it. Because you didn't want to get, because you're afraid of the liberal left. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid you're going to get cancelled. I thought I'll leave that for Eli to point out. Eli I make all the fun he likes about that. Notice the yarmulke. <laughs> yeah, so... No, it doesn't see race. <laughs> <laughs> no, it can't see Jews. <laughs> so yeah, so but we established that, you know, he lost a lot of good men in the war. Santa sure is sorry. There's also this incredibly lazy moment where Santa's like, you know, like take for example this jingle smells guy on the in the on the news, and I'm like, oh my god, is this movie and now an analogy for itself? <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, then the elves show up and they're like, hey Santa, we got to go, and he's like, hey Santa, wait a minute, and then he turns around and everyone has disappeared. There's, there's one other stupid line in this where Santa says, well, the thing is, Nick Gutman, and Nick's like, how do you know my name? It's like. You live in the same small town. Your dad is the chief of police and you drink at the same coffee shop all the fucking time. Of course he knows who you are. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's because he's Santa, obviously. Yeah. So, and then Nick goes to the, the church's office because like, in case this is all still somehow too subtle, we literally had an elf come in and accidentally call him Santa. But the movie still has to have yet another scene to make sure that that's drilled down for you, right? So he goes to the church office to ask if there's a, a Nick clause that works there or whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. And was the point of this scene just to show that this pastor has the straw has broken and he's going to kill himself tonight? Because that's what I got from this scene, yeah, That right? is what you should yes. have gotten from this, yeah. This is an act one where you see the guy do this and then later he learns that that guy hung himself in the rectory <laughs> and he's supposed to change his life and turn around. I assume it, we'll find out about that in Jingle Smells too. Right. Coming to rumble near you. Yeah, so the way the scene plays out, he walks in and he goes, hey, I was just talking to your janitor and the guy's like, oh, the janitor died 50 years ago this very night or whatever. And then yeah, he's like, yeah. I, I had uh, I had exactly the same thing. There hasn't been a Jenner around here for 60 years. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but then he's like, hey, man, you know, he's like, are, are you OK? And he's like, I, I'm, I'm just fine. He's like, do you want to stay here at my church? And he's like, no, man, that's a weird thing to ask. He's like, we got a pool table and a ping pong table. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. And he's like, it would just be you and me hanging out. Yeah, with Pastor Borowski. Come on. A couple, couple of guys. <laughs> and then he leaves. And he's like, I'll see you on. Easter. What the hell was going on? You, uh, Covenant Eyes lets me look at YouTube videos of kids at the beach. I'm just going to say it. Oh, Please stay. <laughs> no. They don't. I need them to block that, but they don't for me. Uh, the thing is as well, like he tells the pastor, I would, but I've, I've got to go off and like commit a crime basically. And the pastor shrugs, but like, yeah, to be fair, he could announce he was just off to go and fuck those kids and the pastor still wouldn't report him. So he was on safe ground. Here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, no, no it's, be, it's in convention. We wouldn't even have to, yeah. Pool table. <laughs> so then we, we cut over to the hospital. 
So, and now he's going to sneak into the hospital with a trash bag full of stolen toys. Yes, he's, he makes his way down the corridor like he's Catherine Zeta-Jones avoiding laser beams. Yeah, really yeah does. exactly. Yes, yeah, exactly. Just a bunch of dive with, with the same amount of sex appeal. Yeah, no, yes. oh, clearly. Well, that ass, you know, one more time. <laughs> I have to point this out. They have him sneak for a much longer time than is necessary because they have a bunch of funny things to get announced over the PA at a hospital. Yeah. And everyone very clearly wanted a turn, right? It was like, <laughs> Dr. Smelly Boots, Dr. Smelly Boots. And they were like, okay, okay. We need to do at least 73 more of those for what feels right. like at least an hour and a half. Yes. And the first one, it starts with, the following announcement is for Pativa Children's Hospital. Like, yeah, well, who else would it be for? You're that's in, the building you're in the that you're announcing into. And it couldn't be for anybody else. Well, maybe that's the movie is so fucking dumb or has such a low opinion of its audience that it's like, we should probably establish this as the hospital that he's in. <laughs> you're all in a hospital. Okay, now let's do the jokes. Now let's do the fun jokes. <laughs> and of course, because they're trying to like get all of their silly little announcements out, this poor guy has to spend like three minutes on camera finding funny ways to sneak. That doesn't go great. But he's also sneaking with like a massive plastic bag that he throws around. And it, it would be so loud as he's sneaking. It would just be the loudest like crinkling noise as he's like trying to tiptoe down the corridor. Right, right. So yeah, so he's about to go in, but then dad catches him. And he's like, how did you catch me? And they're like, well, let us let us grind the whole movie to a halt once again and uh, remind you about the location services being turned on on everybody's phones. <laughs> John Schneider absolutely learned about location services right before this movie. And he was like, I got some shit to say, okay? It's irresponsible if I don't talk about this. <laughs> yeah, and, and of course, dad knows that he's jingle smells. Lisa told on him. She narked after she saw him at the, at the thing, right? Right. And he says those toys that you're giving away, are those stolen? He goes, they're not stolen. And I'm like, yes, they are though. They're absolutely yes. stolen. You're no longer throwing them away. You, Those aren't the trash ones. You broke into the warehouse to get those. Those are all the way stolen. 100%, yeah. And of course, dad explains that, you know, he's in big trouble. Every cop in town has orders to arrest Jingle Smells on site. Yeah, they put out an APB on Jingle Smells. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he's like, okay, well, you need to, uh, you know, I need to arrest you, but go ahead and, and Santa shit up first. Go ahead and give the sick kids their toys. Five more minutes of crimes, right? It's doing like five <laughs> more right. minutes yes. left to play. And I really hoped he used those five minutes to murder someone. Oh, he said crimes. <laughs> I could do crimes. You said I could do what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, it's the purge for the next four and a half minutes. I fucked three of those kids in there. I don't know if that was cool, but you said five minutes of crimes. <laughs> So yeah, so he goes in and he goes to give the, the kids all their toys and they're like, thank you, Santa. He doesn't look anything like Santa. He's not jolly. He's not fat. He doesn't have a white beard or anything. But they're all like, thank you, Santa. Just a grubby guy in Eli's sweater. Yeah. yeah. To be is. fair, they're very close to death. They have, they're not really sure aware they'll take of what what's they going get. on. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're on hospice drugs. <laughs> They've said thank you, Santa, to everyone that's walked in the room <laughs> that night. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, but he's like, I'm not Santa, I'm Jingle Smells. And they're like, we've been practicing a song just in case you showed up. And they sing the Jingle Bells, but with Jingle Smells lyrics. Look, I'm not a dying child, but if I were and my coterie <laughs> requested me to rehearse Jingle Smells just in case he showed up, I think I'd turn them down. I think I'd spend my 
last moments doing other stuff. I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and die now, actually. I'm, just, I, I'm <laughs> yeah. done. I'm going to give up. I'd go to a Charlie Daniels concert instead, if you know <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're doing a reverse make-a-wish. It's like all these dying kids have got to get to, got to come together to make his wish come true. Exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so he gives all the kids the toys. He goes back out and all of the cops, the entire city police force is waiting there for him. It's three cops, but still, it's a lot of cops. <laughs> He's under arrest. Dang He's it, under yeah. arrest is the important thing. And John Schneider is like, don't worry, I'll, I'll head down to the station. I know somebody who's a lawyer. And the cop that's arresting him says, we're not taking him straight to the station. Yeah. What? Which means they're going to beat him to death. Like in real life, that's what that means, right? Yeah. But she delivers it with a, such a sexual tone as well, which I assume that's just her thing. Beating suspects to death is just her thing. Might Must yeah. be it, yeah. So, but yeah, instead of taking him to jail, they take him to the warehouse where Eric Roberts is waiting. Which, you know, you're allowed to, when someone crimes you, you can actually, they give you a box to check. Do you want us to bring this criminal to the police station or to your house for a confrontation? For a monologue, yeah. (laughs) Okay, I want to talk about this warehouse scene. And the thing that I want to talk about the most is why Eric Roberts is on a stair elevator. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense in the film. It's like he's like, I want to be wa- like way above everyone else because you guys are all beneath me as actors. <laughs> I think, and he's, I think he's green screened onto a stair elevator. So I think they shot the scene and they were like, guys, Eric's really unsteady on his feet. Like he's swaying back and forth. And they were like, <laughs> could we put him on a balance beam? No, no, I've got it. He will just say he was on a stair elevator the whole time. I, all right, sure. Yeah, we'll go there. Um, I honestly, because yeah. I was surprised they got him into a second room because everything else from him had been <laughs> in that same place. I'm like, oh, well, they got him in two sets. So. Maybe they didn't. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's right. They green screened yeah. him into that room because you yeah. refused to leave the other room. He was like, I'm not leaving this room until I fuck this sandwich. And they were like, okay, if we bring a <laughs> stair elevator up to the window, yes. will you walk out onto it? And he's like, maybe. Depends on how good a fuck I have with this sandwich. Yeah. I was in Batman. So it, it, I love even at one point, one, the, the character, Nick, he says, why would the cops take me here instead of to jail? And somebody says, don't even ask about it. Our writers don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we're a- but why? But it is the entire police force corrupt is a very valid question at this point. That's an important one that they should be asking. Sure. So, but the lawyer, the Bostonian lawyer explains how they need to throw Nick in jail for life, apparently, so that they won't get canceled because of the um, Mason Stone toys, right? Just then, John Schneider bursts in and asks for leniency. So they decide that ultimately, Eric Roberts decides that he'll drop the charges if Nick makes a public apology that says that Cashbro had nothing to do with it. Which... Which is true. Is that's just the truth? It, why would you not apologize for stealing someone's property? And he should. I do, but he's like, no. On principle, I say no. What principle? I that's my question. No. What is the principle <laughs> that he stands on? <laughs> Finders keepers. Is that the, three... like, the thin blue line we're standing on for this movie? <laughs> yeah, no fucking clue. But he refuses to read their statement, so Cash Bro's gonna gonna press charges. But just then. The whole town shows up to defend Jingle Smells. Including the elves. Yes. From the earlier scene. <laughs> yes. How did they hear about this? Did the police like announce it on the way? 
Like, are they all on the take? Are they all being paid so they're all part of the same, like, corrupt police officers WhatsApp group? Like, wh- how, why are they there? Yeah. So, and of course, among the people that shows up is Lisa, the, the woman that John Schneider's dating. And she says, you can't arrest him now. It would be a PR nightmare. To which the Bostonian lawyer says, he broke the law, Lisa. <laughs> which implies that they know each other. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea why they know each other at all. It's it's incredible. But the fact that she's saying, like, oh, it'll be a PR nightmare. She even says, like, we'll call up all the toy shops. Do you think the toy shops will want to stock the toys of the company that uh, arrested Jingle Smells? Like, oh, so you're going to arrange some sort of, like, product boycott based on uh, the behavior <laughs> of the company. <laughs> like, you're cultural... doing cancel culture in your film against it. Yes. Perhaps a, a ceasing of your support, some kind of cutoff. Yeah. Yeah. There's also this amazing moment Moment where in the, while she's trying to convince him where she says Hollywood isn't important and drunk Eric Roberts goes yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're right and it's just very clearly Eric Roberts justifying his own existence like there's a loaded gun that's staying in his back pocket because of the way he's <laughs> delivering this line <laughs> so yeah so then Eric Roberts changes his mind and everybody breaks out into a rousing chorus of jingle smells again. Right. And then they all fight the lawyer. Oh, that's yeah, right. Mason's yeah. turned up. Mason yes. just randomly turns up wearing the jacket from Thriller as well. He's wearing Michael Jackson's mm-hmm. jacket from Thriller. And yeah, they, then they chase and fight the lawyer for some reason. Yeah, him and him and uh, Pop Frog, who is also suddenly there because it's the end of the movie and it's a very, very small planet. Everyone's always very close together. <laughs> So then, okay, so then all the named characters get in a line to start feeding food to poor people, apparently. Just a, just a fucking pop-up soup kitchen. I guess. Apparently. Yeah. But this is, this is where we get the most mysterious line in the film. And this is, this is all I want to talk about. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how long the episode goes. I don't care if we don't make any other content for the rest of our lives. The supervisor guy from earlier in the movie. Remember him? No, you don't, because he was so unimportant we didn't talk about him. <laughs> a child is walking through the line of this pop-up soup kitchen and says, Jingle Smells got me a spaceman, to which the supervisor replies, I used to be a spaceman. What? <laughs> what? What, what does was... that mean? <laughs> what the fuck? Why? What could it possibly mean? I looked up this this actor's IMDb. I was thinking, like, did they get a NASA astronaut to do this movie? <laughs> like, what fucking happened? See, I, I thought it was Mason Stone making a reference to an acting gig that he had in this movie's universe. But yeah, maybe I, I, I guess I... I wasn't paying enough attention. I thought it might be a drugs thing and I was worried that it was like one of the only black characters in that and so they were like, oh, okay. Yeah, so- <laughs> I thought it was like a reformed drugs kind of thing. I don't know. If anyone watches these along with us and you know, uh, please write in. I don't usually ask for clarifications but I need to, this has kept me up at night. Yeah, I have no, several I get it. times been moving about my day in life and been like, I used to be a space man. <laughs> Why would you? Was he in Space Jam? <laughs> like I just, it really bothered me. All right. Well, yeah, we'll, hopefully we'll be able to figure that out for you for the holidays. <laughs> I know it's not fun. I know. I've dragged our comedy podcast <laughs> to a halt for this, but I need this information. No illusions. I need it. I need it's it. just baffling. It's absolutely It's baffling. important yeah. to me. But yeah, but for reasons unknown, they suddenly are a soup kitchen as well. So all and all of the kids are gathering together to get food. And the police. They're yes. feeding the police as well. This isn't like a soup kitchen for the homeless. This is just a soup kitchen for like 
people who were peckish. Who all, to be so all the people who happened to be there. Everyone knows cops get dibs at all the soup <laughs> kitchens in the, the town they live in. Sure. But yeah, and then dad turns to him. He says, you know, we were talking earlier about how you didn't have any purpose or direction in your life. Well, maybe this is your purpose. To steal toys from a very specific opportunity and Once, then yeah. give them away slash <laughs> sell them for your own game? And almost go to jail, but not quite. Yeah, I no, no, he's like, yeah, it's act three now. And now I'm proud of you, I guess. And then quite suddenly and without explanation, we're at a concert. There's a concert that breaks out right next to their soup kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Mason Stone, it's so stupid. Mason Stone even shows up and he's like, surprise, I brought a band. And we're like, to the warehouse? Did no one see the band setting up? That's You can't surprise band someone. Well, you say that, Noah, but what you've got to remember is business in the front, party in the back. Oh, well, in that, that case. That apparently explains it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, I have a question the movie very clearly was like, you know this guy, but I was pretty sure it was Jimmy Savile. Was it, Jim, was it famous pedophile and I believe dead person Jimmy yeah. Savile? Well, who is more cancelled than Jimmy Savile? Like, one, Ooh, he's not getting gigs true. anymore. Two, he can't even breathe anymore. That's how <laughs> yeah, bad right. cancel no, culture true. got here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Came for him hard. Innocent till proven guilty. That's the important thing. Never <laughs> found, never convicted never in the court of trial. law. Yeah. Never got a trial. Innocent yeah. till proven guilty Michael Marshall about Jimmy Savile. 100%. Tim, make that meme. Tim, get it out there on the interwebs. JimmySavileTruther.com So yeah, so this band sings Jingle Bells and just in case you just can't get enough of it, then they sing the Jingle Smells song as well. <sighs> yeah, no fucking kidding. We get one last call back to Victoria Jackson, who is actually secretly in love with Mason Stone the whole time and wants to fuck the shit out of him. So she's holding an anti-Mason Stone sign. He walks up to her and like pats his forearm at her at an angle, at which point she comes over and hugs him. I can't make this any clearer than the movie does. That is the sequence of events. And I don't understand how that interaction is meant to go. Is he showing off his biceps? I, yeah, he's like, look at these guns. Don't you want to get with me? And she's like, yep. I do want to get with you. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently the, 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 all of these liberals that are going on about cancel culture just need it fucked out of them. Is, is yeah, the they just want to fuck fucking Jimmy Saddle. <laughs> 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 all right. And then we check in with the news one last time because damn if we're just not going to squeeze every penny out of that set. Yeah. Right, they they let us know that Mason is uh, Stone is going to star in a new Jingle Smells movie. Mm -hmm. So the the conclusion of this movie is that this movie is going to make a movie about itself. Yeah, and Amanda quits. Yes, Amanda, the news person, huh? I yeah. We check in with her one last time, and it turns out she was wrong about the weather the whole time. Classic Amanda, am I right? The true <laughs> protagonist of this movie. Yeah. So, and then we we cut back to the concert. We learn that Cash Bro is moving their distribution to this little town, which is the only town on the planet. So that makes fucking sense. Obviously, the Time Mancers. Like, was it not already there? He was there. Like Eric <laughs> right. Roberts is Cash Bro. He was already there. Where like everything happens in Batista. The, the warehouse is there. What? Why would they have all their stuff warehoused if that's not where their distribution is? <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. You don't have warehousing in one state and 
distribution in another. Because then you've got to distribute to your warehouse or distribute from your warehouse to the distribution center. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, but then Sean Hannity cuts in to explain the plot to us in case there's anything we didn't get. He explains that Jingle smells as a hero for standing up to cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And then he dedicates that episode of Hannity to Jingle Smells and all the other veterans that put their life online. And the troops. And the troops. And the troops. <laughs> Look, I want to be very clear. I've never understood what people feel or get out of the end the troops moment, but surely it's not this. Surely, <laughs> surely not even this audience, the intended audience of this movie was like, fuck yeah! And put a boot in your ass! It's the American way! Like, the what? <laughs> There's no amount of jingoism that you would be like, nice, I like that part at the end where Sean Hannity also dedicated <laughs> the fictional character <laughs> real fucking troops. Yeah, so that's a thing is you've got to show like deference and respect to the troops. And the way you do that is to put them in the same sentence as jingle smells <laughs> about a garbage yes. man who smells a bit. Yes. So, yeah. And then, of course, we were not quite out of the woods yet. We have jingle smells going to work. Apparently, he's writing the movie for jingle smells, which is weird because there was already a preview for it in the last scene. But he's <laughs> he's writing it. But but all the money he's making writing that script isn't enough to convince him to give up his awesome job as, as a garbage, garbage man. man. As as we established, he does it because he wants to give back to the community. Garbage people, garbage uh, collectors don't do it for the money. Yes, they do. It's just a job. It's fine. It's a perfectly <laughs> yep. fine job. It's not like a fucking community position nope. where you go around and just try and like bring a little. Sp- it's not an joy. elected position no (laughs) god i wish it were elected god i wish it were elected (laughs) but involuntarily like you got to nominate the shittiest person yeah that guy who's got the trump flags you can just all be like yep no you're the garbage can guy again this year man yep (laughs) so but yeah and then so he gets in the garbage truck to go back to work as a garbage man and he gives uncle michael the Apostle Paul, he's fixed it. He super glued it back together. Oh, thank God for that. I'm so glad that's resolved. I was genuinely on <laughs> All edge. of my notes are, oh my God, end the movie. End the fucking movie. The movie is over. And then the credits appear. Yes, finally, at long last, like we're getting out of a fucking prison sentence, we get out of the movie. So that, I guess, is going to do it for our review of Jingle Smells, but that's not going to do it for the episode just yet because we still need to make this same mistake again next year. So Eli, tell us what's on deck. Well, Noah, once a year, a very special time of year, I can no longer come up with Christian New Year's Eve movies. So we'll be watching Fire Maidens from Outer Space. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I get one. I get one a year. Yep. Nope. You're using it early this year, I guess. So with that to look forward to, we're going to bring episode 436 to a merciful close. Once again, a huge thanks to Marsh for helping us out today. Be sure to check him out on Skeptics with a K and Be Reasonable, which you'll find linked on the show notes. Also, perhaps even huger thanks to all the Patreon donors that help make the show go. If you'd like to kind of show up on their ranks, you can make a per episode donation at patreon.com slash godawful and thereby earn early access to an ad-free version of our episode. You can also help us a ton by leaving a five-star review and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, The Scathing Atheist, Citation to D&D Minus, and The Skeptic Card, available wherever podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com. Tim Robertson takes care of our social media. Our theme song was written and performed by Ryan Slotnick of the Drafts on Mars. All the other music was written and performed by our audio engineer, Morgan Clark, and was used with permission. Thanks again for giving us a check of your life this week. For Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick, I'm No Illusions. Promise to work hard to earn another chunk next week. Until then, we'll leave you with a Breakfast Club close. Nick Gutman went on to tweet the N-word 
and was duly elected governor of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the child elf slaves rose up against Santa and ultimately seized the means of production. <laughs> Pop Frog got a strong talking to from Peter Dinklage. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.